Get your family vehicles ready for summer driving with early Memorial Day deals at Dobbs. Click on GoToDobbs.com for money, save, retire, and service deals today. Dobbs. With 43 locations, real deals are always close by. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. This is the Character and Smallman podcast, powered by I Promise. Now here's Character and Smallman. Good morning, everyone, and welcome to Carriker and Smallman on 101 ESPN at 701. Your time check brought to you by Clarkson Jewelers, an officially licensed Rolex jeweler. Michelle going over to get some headphones after a long weekend in which... Did you forget to charge your headphones again? I did, I did, and I hate that I have to do that. (laughs) It happens in the radio business. We need headphones, but now they've got these newfangled headphones that you don't get at five below that you have to charge up at night, and (laughs) Michelle... Had to go grab a different set. So fortunately, we have a different set. How was your weekend? It was great. But you know what, Randy? Spent all this money on these headphones. The old set I had, you could just plug right in. Now these are too fancy for me. Have to charge them up. <laughs> Forget. And I was doing so well remembering to do it. At I know. Nighttime. You're out of roll. Man. Oh, well, it's a good thing we have a backup pair. But I'm great. My weekend was good. How about you, Randy? Everything was good. Went out on Saturday with the Demetrius Johnson Charitable Foundation and we were able to provide 2,000 turkey Thanksgiving dinners to underprivileged people in the St. Louis area. DJ does an amazing job. He oversees everything, and I, I am just honored to be able to help him every year. So that was cool. That's incredible. Yeah. Good job, Randy. And, and amazing that people are still out there doing stuff like that. More people than ever probably need help right now. There's no doubt about that. So if you can, hopefully you will over the course of the next few days. We're going to give away a couple of turkey certificates, by the way. Oh, today. yeah. Uh, we'll do that. And then uh, hung up some Christmas decorations on Saturday. And then yesterday, I was telling you earlier, I literally laid around for most of the day. Did that feel great or what? It did, yeah. I I can't wait for that day. I got to the point where the couch was really uncomfortable. It was... (laughs) (laughs) Where your legs had fallen asleep because you've been laying down for so long. That's that's where I was. Man, I'm envious of that because I had to work out twice and be outside in the wind. And did it go okay? I mean, it's fine. At this point, it's just... Hashtag 75 hard, and you are how many days in? Let me tell you. Hang on. I have this newfangled app, Randy, me and this technology. All right, Today good. is day 54. 54 of 75. We're, we're, let's say, 20 and change away. So you can't quit now. Congrats to you, and congrats to all the people that are doing it with you. That is pretty amazing. I had my opportunity to lay around on the couch yesterday. Joe Burrow's going to have that opportunity, the quarterback of the Cincinnati Bengals, for the foreseeable future. Yesterday, in the third quarter of a 29 loss, 22-9 loss to the Washington football team, Joe was hit by one of the people was his former Ohio State teammate Chase Young, and he crumpled to the turf. And after gaining seven yards Uh-oh. on the first play, Joe's Joe hurt. Burrow is down. Joe's hurt. And he's grabbing his left knee, oh, and he's God. in pain. Oh, God. Allen, I think, put the hit on him. Looks like Joe Burrow's in trouble. The biggest nightmare for Bengals fans this season was an injury to rookie quarterback Joe Burrow, and he was in serious pain. 
don't you get PTSD hearing that? Because that call almost exactly mirrors both of the calls that we heard Steve Savard and DeMarco Farr have when Sam Bradford tore his ACLs. Right. It is totally PTSD. And here you have the first pick in the draft for a dismal franchise who is having a good rookie year. Sam got hurt in his second year, but Burrow hitting 65.4% of his passes, 12 touchdowns, five interceptions, almost 2,500 yards. And he is the only hope if you're a Bengal fan. But hearing, I can hear Seve saying, oh no, Bradford is down. And, yeah. and then DeMarco going, oh no, oh no. And that's exactly what the call was there on the, I believe the Bengals radio network. And I imagine that anyone that's a Bengals fan felt that same sickening feeling that we felt here in St. Louis when you watch your quarterback and your future go down and you can tell that it's a knee. You have people like Ian Rappaport reporting that it's a torn ACL. There may be additional damage and you're thinking, oh, Okay, is he going to be able to come back from this? Is he going to be able to be the same quarterback after this? Is he going to have trepidation because he's worried about re-injuring himself? We've seen other quarterbacks like Sam re-injure themselves. So if you're a Bengals fan, not a great Monday morning. I remember thinking when Sam tore his, oh, this will stunt his development. This will make his career more difficult, but it really won't change his career because he'll only miss a half season of games and then he'll come back stronger than ever like Tom Brady did after missing 08 but Sam never was the same and suffered the other ACL injury and that's the concern you have to have for a guy like Burrow for as many guys as come back from ACLs and perform well there are just as many who struggle after they have the injury but Joe Burrow tweeted, thanks for all the love. Can't get rid of me that easy. See you next year. So I appreciate he kind of broke the news himself almost he that he would be out for the remainder of the season. And I respect him for that. You know, maybe he can uh, make that his side hustle while he's rehabbing, you know, being right. an NFL analyst or an NFL reporter on Twitter. But I I appreciate that he has that mentality already. Hey, I'll be back. You can't get rid of me because he's going to need that when he has to go through that that rehab. It's not going to be easy for him. No, and you look at a guy like Carson Wentz who's never been the same since he got hurt. You look at RG3 and obviously a different style of quarterback but was never the same after he suffered his knee injury. Some guys are able to come back, but like I said, it's not a perfect surgery like Tommy John should be. It's not routine when you tear an ACL. And it's such a bummer because one of the best storylines from the season was the emergence of these electric mm-hmm. rookie quarterbacks and the new guard coming in and watching how Tua and Burrow and Herbert were developing and thinking of what they could blossom into throughout their careers. I mean, Joe Burrow, so far this season, 2,485 yards. He was passing at a 65.4% completion rate, 12 touchdowns. He hadn't thrown an interception in his last three games. He was really looking like something that Bengals fans could rally around and be excited about and that NFL fans could look to and say, hey, he's going to be the guy that's going to lead this next pack of quarterbacks. So just a terrible, terrible piece of news. And Ryan Finley is going to be the Bengal quarterback for the rest of the season or until he gets hurt with their offensive line. Yikes. You know, maybe there's something to that. If you're going to draft the future and play the future, protect the future. Not a bad idea. <laughs> the Florida State Seminoles were supposed to host the Clemson Tigers, Michelle, on Saturday afternoon. And because Clemson had a positive COVID-19 test on their team, Florida State thought that it was in their best interest and their players' best interests to not play the game on Saturday afternoon. Last night, Clemson coach Dabo Sweeney held a press conference. This is 36 hours 
after the game had been postponed, after the announcement of the game. This was not a passionate press conference. This is after you've had some time to marinate and think about Mm -hmm. what happened 36 hours earlier. And this was Clemson coach Dabo Swinney last night. If the standard to play was zero positive tests, then we would have never had a season. This game was not canceled because of COVID. COVID was just an excuse to cancel the game. To me, the Florida State administration forfeited the game. And if they want to play Clemson, in my opinion, they need to come to Clemson or they need to pay for all expenses. Other than that, there's no reason for us to play them. We were there, we were ready, and we met the standard. Did you meet the standard for everybody, though? Clearly not, because there is concern on the part of Florida State about their players testing positive because there was a positive test by Clemson. I appreciate the schools that have gone about this this season and the conferences with an abundance of caution. I understand that most young people are dramatically affected by having COVID-19, at least as far as we know right now. There has been a study by the Big Ten that many of those people that deal with it, young athletes, will deal with myocarditis in the future. Mm -hmm. But that being said, I think that Dabo Sweeney's going a little bit overboard here, saying that, oh, they... If they if they're gonna if they want to play the game they can come here or they can incur all expenses, come on Dabo. It seems like Florida State was in a lose lose situation here because even though it was one positive test and and Clemson said that they had done everything necessary they were careful with the player he was wearing a mask limited contact etc. It still was a positive test and the player was around his teammates. So if you're Florida State if you say okay they did follow all of the protocols as one test we should play the game and then something happens where there's a massive outbreak and your team all of a sudden has a lot of positive tests those are student athletes that you have to answer to those are parents that you have to answer to that seems like a negative situation but then if they cancel it is three hundred thousand dollars that clemson is in the hole after being there it's i'm sure they're dealing with a mess with the conference i'm sure with tv all of the stuff that they're dealing with and now you have the opposing coach coming out and saying that you forfeited the game and all of this stuff I just felt like it was a lose-lose situation for Florida State. Either way, you're going to have a huge contingency of people that's angry with you. I do think, though, that Dabo Swinney should set a more classy tone for his institution. When LSU and Alabama couldn't play, and it was LSU having positive tests then, Nick Saban said, quote, We were certainly looking forward to playing the game, but I think that we kind of expect disruptions this season. That's the approach that I believe a coach should take. I think that Eli Drinkwitz has handled this situation perfectly, as adroitly, especially as a new coach Mm -hmm. could. With everything that Dabo Sweeney has been through, he should have an understanding of this. But he he is like you so eloquently say he's tone deaf to things like this <laughs> he, he is he's he is very linear in his thinking he's only thinking about football because in the things that he was talking about he talks about the fact that clemson traveled to tallahassee and they incurred three hundred thousand dollars to get there he talked about how people don't understand 
the rigors that these players and the coaching staff go through to get prepared for a game. They also mentioned, by the way, that Clemson offered to undergo additional testing on Saturday or Sunday and then have the game be pushed back to Sunday or Monday. So I can sense with these comments that this is a coach who had a big loss earlier this season mm -hmm. that wants to have everything on his resume that he possibly can to make sure that his team is in the college football playoff and has their best crack at a national championship and they're desperate to play this game so that they have another win on their resume and he's not necessarily thinking about what it would be like to be a Florida State decision maker in that moment knowing that you're probably going to lose the game anyway and that you're putting the health and safety of your student athletes and your coaching staff at risk. Next up for Clemson they'll take on Pitt on Saturday and then they'll wrap up the regular season against Virginia Tech at Virginia Tech on December 5th so they should have plenty of opportunities to avenge that loss. I wonder if Michelle part of what his thought process was to get the taste of the Notre Dame loss out of their mouth too because that's still the last game that they played was the loss to Notre Dame. That's a great point. He wants them to turn the page mentally. Yeah. Could be. I don't know, but it's a possibility. Coming up next on Carriker and Smallman, a St. Louisan is getting paid. That's coming your way on 101 ESPN. We're right back to the Carriker and Smallman podcast on 101 ESPN. Something's with 67 points with 6.45 remaining. Tatum drives down and throws it down. Wow! Jason Tatum has electrified the crowd, and the Celtics back with it too. The 22-year-old St. Louisan Jason Tatum had his first All-Star appearance last year. He had a great season, averaging 23.4 points, seven rebounds, three assists. And yesterday, Michelle Woj reported that the St. Louisan will sign a $195 million five-year contract with the Celtics. That's the max rookie contract that's available. And Jason Tatum is on his way to superstardom in the NBA. Congratulations yeah. to Jason Tatum. Well-deserved. Glad that he is getting paid. But if you're the Boston Celtics, this is a huge move for you because you're looking at a player who has continued to develop and continued to take these steps for you. And you're looking at locking him up so that you can make sure that you're a premier contender in the East. And he's going to be really good. He's he's really good already. But after that game where he dunked over LeBron James, LeBron said the kid is special. Obviously, there's a reason he's a first-time All-Star, and he's been special all year. And he's just getting better. That's the moment that you could say he had arrived, right? The dunk over LeBron. Because he had had flashes before. He had obviously been a great player. But when you dunk on LeBron like that in the playoffs on that stage, then everybody says, okay, this is somebody that's going to be a problem in this league for a while. And they're going to need him to be a problem because they lost a really good player over the weekend. Gordon Hayward opted out of his contract, signed with Charlotte. They did pick up Jeff Teague, but we need, you talk about problems, Michelle. They also signed Tristan Thompson, which <laughs> means they signed a Kardashian, I believe. Uh, I think they signed a whole pack of Kardashians, right? <laughs> Don't they come as a package they deal? They do, yeah. Um, I was going to say, when you said Jeff Teague, I thought you were going to leave out Tristan. I was going to say, Randy, they also signed Tristan Thompson. So don't stress if you're a Celtics fan over losing Gordon Hayward, right? No doubt about it. So we might be thinking, okay, he's only played three years. He's only 22 years old. Why a five-year, $195 million contract? Last year, we had Kevin Harlan on the show on the day that he was doing a Celtics game, and I asked him what he thought of Jason Tatum. This is one of the voices of the NBA on TNT. God, I love that kid. I think he, 
There are probably, Randy, only about four, five, six guys that are really two-way players in the league whose defense is good as their offense and whose offense is as good as their defense. They're only they're just a handful, less than 10 for sure, and, and maybe no more than five. This kid has got a chance to be one of those five. That, that's how good he is. That's what coaches think about him. He's excellent. He's teachable. He's coachable. He's a sponge. He, he's, he's got the God-given gifts that he has. I, I, I can't rave enough about, about Tatum and what he's done and how he's handled his business and, and where he's going. But I really think that when it's all said and done, and, and he may be creeping into that conversation right now, he will be one of those really true four, five, six players that is a real two-way player in the league. There aren't many of them. You think there are, but there really aren't. He has a chance to be a legit two-way player. And I think that's about the highest praise you can give any player in this league. And, Michelle, everything leading up to this, having the opportunity to be a coach's son, having the opportunity mm-hmm. to work with Larry Hughes yep. as a kid, having an opportunity to go where he was exceptionally well coached and had great teammates at Chaminade, and then going to Duke where he got a chance to play for a year with Coach K. He's always been a really good defender. Even when I watched him as a freshman at Chaminade, he really exhibited effort defensively. And that was the thing that it sounded to me like Kevin Harlan was most impressed with. And if you're looking at, at all of these factors and you're the Celtics and you're saying okay he has the skills and is turning into a premier two-way player he as Kevin Harlan mentioned is a guy who's a sponge who is coachable who's teachable who listens to people who cares about his team also the NBA is known for drama Randy it's known for these really big superstars Mm -hmm. with superstar sized egos that do things that benefit them and maybe don't uh care about how it affects the organization or their teammates around them. Jason Tatum is not that guy. This is just a guy that loves basketball and that wants to be the best possible player he can be and wants to win. You never hear anything negative or dra- or any drama surrounding no. Jason Tatum. And if you're the Celtics and you know that you can lock him up and you have Jalen Brown there and that these are two players that you can build around, why wouldn't you want to lock him up to whatever, whatever the price tag is to make sure Jason Tatum stays in that uniform in that organization? And now now it's really incumbent upon him with the contract and with his veteran status to become a big leader there, too, mm-hmm. because Kyrie was supposed to be a leader. Hayward was supposed to be a leader. Uh, those guys didn't stick around. Kemba, they signed to be a leader. And uh, it just seems to me that the focus of their franchise now should be uh, Jason. And, and that's fine. I have every belief that he's going to be a great player for them. By the way, I want to go back to the defense because there's not many players. If you go on a West Coast swing where – a guy is going to do as well as anybody can against LeBron, who's 6'8 and 260, and then maybe the next night play against Golden State and be able to defend Steph Curry. There are very few players in the league that can defend pretty much everybody, and that includes Anthony Davis on the Lakers too. If you're a 6'11", 7-foot guy, or if you're a guy that's shooting from 40, he'll give you the effort defensively, and he has the ability defensively to not shut those guys down because nobody does, but play against them defensively as well as anybody does, and then go back to the other end of the court and dunk on them. Must be nice, right? <laughs> but to your point about about leadership, too, I think he probably learned a lot being in that Kyrie situation. Mm-hmm. And if he is a sponge, that means not just his basketball skills, that means his leadership skills, I'm sure. I'm sure that this is a, a guy that watched that situation unfold and said, okay, I know what not to do and I know what to do. And even though Gordon Hay- Hayward was supposed to assume that role, everybody looked at the Celtics and figured it was Jason Tatum's team anyway. So this is yeah. the role that now he 
he probably was trending towards and I'm sure in some ways already commanded within that locker room and within that team, but now it's solidified. Gordon Hayward is not there. You are the guy. You just got signed to this contract. Everything runs through you. Pretty good history of St. Louis people and St. Louis connections in Boston, too. Ed McCauley was there. The St. Louis Hawks got Ed McCauley with the pick that wound up being Bill Russell. They could have taken Bill Russell, but the Celtics wound up with that pick. And then JoJo White, who was part of the dynasty, the the later 60s, 70s dynasty, one of the great St. Louis players ever. Uh, so Jason joins that group in Celtics lore. And we're picking an NFL team. I think it's pretty easy for us to pick the Celtics as our NBA team, right? Oh, yeah. I was always cheering for Jason Tatum and the Celtics. Even though it does feel strange to cheer for a Boston team, our St. Louis ties with Jason Tatum trump that. If somehow, though, the Warriors are able to land Bradley Beal, then what? Then we have two teams. Yeah, that's, that's <laughs> the way we'll look at it. And the, there has been discussion with Clay Thompson going down. The Warriors want to go get another shooter, but part of the deal would have to include Clay Thompson going to whatever team. But they're talking about Harden. They're talking about Beal. They're talking about going and getting a big-time star to pair with Steph Curry in that backcourt in Golden State. I would love to see that happen for Bradley Beal, for somebody who's been in a in a tough situation and who deserves a moment like that to be on a really good team and have a shot. I would love that for him. But if you're another team, and by the way, another possibility is John Wall going to Houston for James Harden. But if you're another team, would you trade for the injured Clay Thompson? No, of course not. I wouldn't either. Not, <laughs> no way. Not with that brand new contract. I'd, unless you're going to get a ton of picks and assets back, and I don't know that they're going to be able to pull that off. So congratulations to Jason Tatum. Five years, 195 mil with the Celtics. Next up, week 11 in the NFL is almost complete, and Michelle and I have four downs coming up on 101 ESPN. We're right back to the Character and Smallman podcast on 101 ESPN. All right, time for four downs, and here is first down. Michelle, throughout the season, the Ravens and the Packers have been considered among the best teams in the NFL, both at times favorites to at least wind up at a conference championship game. Well, yesterday, the Ravens lost to the Titans in overtime and the Packers lost to the Colts in overtime. We can joke all we want about the AFC South, but those two teams, they're scary. The Titans are an old school pound the rock play action, great defensive team. They literally wear you down. They're 6-1 and one in games decided by less than one score, 3-1 and one in games decided by a field goal or less, and 2-0 and oh in overtime. Derrick Henry yesterday, 13 carries for 37 yards in the first half. Looks like you haven't pinned down. But after halftime, 15 <laughs> carries for 96 yards, including the game-winning 29-yard touchdown in overtime. Team-wise, after the half, Tennessee outgained Baltimore 320 to 173 and pounded a tough Baltimore team into submission physically in their overtime win. The Colts handled uh, the pack Tennessee in one of their losses and India is the top defense in the league. They were down 28-14 at the half. They figured out Aaron Rodgers at halftime. He went 14 of 22 for 151. No TDs after halftime after tossing three first half touchdowns. The Colts moved to 7-3 and three with a 34-31 overtime win over Green Bay. Both teams 7-3 and three, and they face off next weekend. AFC South statement weekend? I think it was. <laughs> big time. Second down. 
Okay, I want to start with that Bengals-Washington football team game. It truly was the best of sports and the worst of sports in that matchup, Randy. The worst, we talked about at the top of the show, Joe Burrow carted off the field. Awful seeing his promising rookie season lost to an injury. But how about the best of the sport. How about Alex Smith on the other side of the field? Alex Smith completed 17 to 25 passes, 166 yards and a touchdown. He was efficient in his play. He led his team to a 20 to 9 win over Cincinnati and this is big because this is the first time Alex Smith won a game since November 11th, 2018 which was one week before he broke his tibia and his fibula and his right leg and what a journey he has been on. 17 surgeries, a flesh eating bacteria, concerns that his leg may have to be amputated tough rehab coming back having to even make the roster getting back in an nfl game getting used to the speed of the game and finally a win and this milestone was also crazy randy because it occurred while washington wore their throwback jerseys and this is the same jersey he was wearing when he was injured that injury occurred four days before thanksgiving day matchup in dallas and sports is still the best show on tv because you can't write storylines like this and with that win washington moves within a half game of the lead in the NFC East, they play at Dallas on Thanksgiving Day, and they're tied with New York at 3-7. and seven. Has there ever been a guy who won Comeback Player of the Year on just one play? But now, look at what he's doing, and he's leading that team, of all teams, to wins. Yeah, they have a shot because of him. Yeah, it's amazing. It is amazing. What a great story. Third down. Well, Michelle, I talked about a couple of 7-3 and three teams in the Titans and the Colts. How about the 7-3 and three Cleveland Browns? <laughs> Holy smokes. Kevin Stefanski has the best start to a season by a first-year Browns head coach since Bud Carson in 1989. It's also the first time a first-year Browns head coach has begun 5-1 and one at home since their first season in 1946 with Paul Brown, who, by the way, the team is named after. Maybe they should be the Cleveland Stefanskis heretofore. Their last winning season, 2007, they were 10-6. and six. Their last playoffs, 2002. Those are the only two winning seasons that the Browns have had since they re-entered the league in 1999. Cleveland has recorded a safety and an interception return for a touchdown twice this season. They did it in Week 5. They did it yesterday. The fourth team to accomplish that feat twice in a season in NFL history, joining the 1997 Kansas City Chiefs, the 1996 New York Giants, and the 1947 Pittsburgh Steelers and at seven and three the Browns have their best record through 10 games since 1994 Bill Belichick was their head coach they started eight and two and five and one at home for the first time since 07 and they're in second place in the AFC North they're no longer a factory of sadness at Brown Stadium not right now but don't you put that juju on them hey just two more wins two more wins get you a winning season Cleveland Stefanski's <laughs> Right? The Cleveland Stefanskis has kind of a ring to it. Remember when we thought the Blues were cursed and we thought, do they need Mm -hmm. to change their name because Blues inherently means that they're sad and that we're always going to be bummed out Mm -hmm. and that they're never going to get it done? If it can happen for the the Blues, it can happen for the Browns. Wow. Wouldn't that be great? One of the franchises to never play in a Super Bowl. And they've been around since the Super Bowl started. Them and Detroit, I believe, are the only two. Let's get them into a Super Bowl. How bad do things look in Detroit when Cleveland is doing well? (laughs) Yeah, pretty bad. Pretty bad. Fourth down. 
Dolphins Broncos yesterday, Randy. Fourth quarter, Miami trailing Denver 20 to 10. Dolphins quarterback Tua Tonga Vailoa was 11 of 20 for 83 yards and a touchdown. He incurred his sixth sack of the day. His ankle rolled a little on the play. Head coach Brian Flores decides, you know what? I've seen enough. He replaces the rookie with Ryan Fitzpatrick. And everyone's thinking, okay, Tua's got to be hurt, right? But then we see him on the sidelines. He looks okay. Miami ends up losing the game 20 to 13. And then in the post game, Brian Flores tells everybody that Tua's fine. He says, Tua wasn't injured. We just felt like this was the best move at that point in the game. We just felt like Fitzpatrick gave us the best chance in the two-minute drill. Brian Flores also said that Tua will remain the Dolphins starter next week against the Jets. And here's the thing. I really like Brian Flores. I understand not thinking Tua has it in that game and wanting to try to go for the W. However, when you make the switch from Fitzmagic to Tua and you say it's all about moving the team forward, you have to continue to roll with Tua. He is a rookie. He's going to have up and downs. There will be a learning curve at some point, but you need to keep him in the deep end, stick it out, and have him learn how to swim. How do you think yanking him what do you think that does for Tua mentally and despite playing well before being replaced by Tua Ryan Fitzpatrick isn't the answer long term he wasn't the answer in this game either and I just really thought this was kind of a suspect move by Brian Flores how did Tua Tonga-Vailoa come into the national consciousness by taking over in the second half for Alabama in a national championship game and bringing them back that's right and winning a game for them in overtime he has been a fourth quarter player when they've had close games at Alabama during the course of his career. You find out a lot about a quarterback in the fourth quarter. Would Tom Brady beat Tom Brady if it wasn't for a fourth quarter against the St. Louis Rams in Super Bowl 36? Probably not. We may never even know. No. So you have to give the, the, the young quarterback that you're playing the opportunity to go out and win a game in the fourth quarter. You can't just decide, oh, not happening for my rookie today. That's just not the way it works. I remember when... Mark Bulger was starting his first year as a starter in 2003 game in Chicago. Things were not going well for Bulger and Mike Martz told Kurt Warner to get ready. And Warner said, no, that's your quarterback. You got to stick with him. You made that decision. And Bulger wound up bringing the Rams back in the fourth quarter. That's what Ryan Fitzpatrick needed to do yesterday. Say, no, you picked your guy. You got to find out about this guy. That's how you find out about a quarterback. And wouldn't you rather learn what you have in Tua in that moment and potentially lose the game rather than what happened is you go back to Ryan Fitzpatrick and you end up losing anyway. Yes. I would rather at least take away a nugget of information about this guy that's supposed to be my future and how he responds in that moment than roll with somebody that I know is just a stopgap. If that were to be my team or my show's team, and I don't know, maybe, maybe not. <laughs> but yeah, I want to see Tua play the whole four quarters. Me too. I'll bet you that Don Shula didn't take out Dan Marino so that he, we could see David Woodley play a game in the fourth quarter. But that didn't happen, Michelle. Yeah, uh-uh. Also, like I mentioned, how do you think? what do you think that does for Tua? Okay, I'm the guy until I... I don't perform. It's not as if he was playing terrible. He was doing what he's been doing, managing the game. He wasn't lights out. He wasn't electric. But And I know he had taken a lot of sacks, but I, I don't know. I just thought that was the wrong move. And by the way, I thought Tua handled everything exceptionally well. Of course. But Brian Flores, you can handle things better. Those are four downs on 101 ESPN. Next up, get your text into the Air Comfort Service text line at 65780. Michelle and I have a game of take it or leave it for you here on 101 ESPN. We're right back to the Character and Smallman podcast on 101 ESPN. 
We do have Take It or Leave It. We also have the fight coming up at 8.30. If you'd like to participate in the fight, text 65780, the Air Comfort Service text line, and just text us your name and the word fight, and you can have an opportunity to be the fighter. Scotty will pick a fighter for us. If you dare take on Megamind. (laughs) And there's only a few opportunities this week because Thanksgiving's coming up. This is true. We only have three days this week. Michelle... I know that uh, you spent a lot of time working out this weekend, and you had to read your book, and you had to do all the stuff for your uh, 75 hard. Correct. Which used to be my 75 hard, but I, <laughs> I was a quitter. In Colorado this weekend, they opened up their first two In-N-Out burgers. In Aurora, Colorado, 12-hour wait for In-N-Out. This. In Colorado Springs, a 14-hour wait just to get in and out burgers. Take it or leave it, there is a food that you would stay in line 12 or 14 hours to get at some point. Leave it. Absolutely not. There's all sorts of amazing foods out there. Mm -hmm. A lot of very delicious things. I would never wait in line, probably even more than an hour for anything. I hate waiting in line, absolutely hate it. There is nothing, nothing that I would stay in line 12 to 14 hours for. Part of the reason I don't do amusement parks, Randy, because I'm Mm -hmm. not waiting in line. I'm just not. When I used to spend a lot of time in New York City, you'd go down to Soho, Tribeca. They would have um, remember the Cronut? Dominic Dominic Uh Ansel. Anytime you'd walk past that area in Soho, there was a line down the street, around the block. I'm like, listen, a croissant donut hybrid sounds amazing. You cannot pay me to stand in this line in the freezing cold in New York for hours to get a cronut. I'm just not doing it. Unbelievable that people did. Somebody from Colorado or uh, from California tweeted, Colorado, never wait 12 hours for an In-N-Out burger. A flight to San Diego is only a couple of hours. Also, take it or leave it, In-N-Out, not that great. Not worth it. Take it. Not worth yeah, it. Yeah, I, I would have to take, well, like I said, nothing is worth 12 to 14, but even if it was a two-hour wait, it wouldn't be worth it. But yeah. man, it's to see like the number of cars that are waiting out on the highway, and then once they park the long line that people had to stand in line, it is stunning. Take it or leave it, though. It is Colorado, and maybe, Randy, just maybe, uh, maybe. these people were very hungry for a reason. I think that's a strong possibility, yes. When time just tends to stand still, so you don't focus (laughs) on the fact that you're in line for 12 hours. Okay, take it or leave it, Randy. We talked about Jason Tatum, about how he got the max contract from the Boston Celtics. There's a lot of great basketball players that have come out of St. Louis in the NBA. Larry Hughes, David Lee, um, certainly Bradley Beal. But take it or leave it, Jason Tatum is the best NBA player to come out of St. Louis. I'm going to take that. And this is with all due respect to JoJo White and even Bill Bradley from mm-hmm. Crystal City. I'm going to say that Jason Tatum is the best St. Louis NBA player ever. Steepo, great player. But I'm going to go with Tatum. Do you say that even if he never wins an NBA championship? I do. Okay. Because I think there are things for certain NBA players that are out of their control. And hopefully he'll get to a point where he can either win a championship there or go somewhere. But you can't win a championship unless you have a supporting cast. We've That's been proven by even LeBron. So if he doesn't, I'm going to still say that out of the St. Louis guys, yeah, he's the best. He's just in terms of being a basketball player, the most talented guy. 
Scotty, what do you got for us? 65780 is the Air Comfort Service text line. If you want to participate and take it or leave it from the 314, take it or leave it. In and out is the most overrated fast food place in America. I got to take it only because of the hype surrounding it. Now, is it better than other burger joints in the fast food space? Of course. But because everybody talks about In N Out as if it's God's gift to burgers, I have to say I'm taking it. It's incredibly overrated. Shake Shack is better. You know what? This is a fire take. I think Wendy's might even be better. Five Guys. You know, I haven't had Five Guys five, in a long five time. Five Guys is great. And I would go with, although it's not really fast food because there's not a drive through for five guys? Yeah. Never? No drive throughs ever? I'm not sure about that, but hmm. none that I know of in the St. Louis metro area. 65780, if you'd like to weigh in here. But yeah, if somebody's willing to wait 12 to 14 hours in line for a burger, then by definition, regardless of how good it is, it's overrated. And their fries are not good. Okay. That's- I don't recall their fries. They're really bad. They're okay. they're so sus, Randy. They're not good. Okay. Especially if you get them animal style. You have to eat them with a fork. They're soggy. It's just pass. Uh, take it or leave it. If we're going to have this conversation about the most overrated, you made the call. Wendy's might be the most underrated because it never comes up in the conversation. Never. And Wendy's has good burgers. Their mm-hmm. fries are insane. Good buns. Good buns. And you could dip the fries in the Frosty. Right. Which is the play. All key elements. I think I know where I'm going for lunch today. <laughs> yep. Underrated. <laughs> so jealous. 6578 is the Air Comfort Service text line from the 503. Take it or leave it. NFL teams that play Thursday night games should have their bye week the week before. Yeah, I'll take that. I think that's reasonable. And then you all have that mini buy afterwards, so you're only playing one game in a two-week period. But I think that makes sense. I was just going to say, though, from a consistency and momentum standpoint, do you only want to play one game in a two-week period? Yeah, that makes it difficult. That's true. You know? Yeah. And the players actually, even though the union complains about Thursday night football, I think that's more financial. The players actually like getting that mini buy. They don't mind playing on Thursday nights and then getting the 10 days off before their next game. 65780 for the Air Comfort Service text line from the 618. Take it or leave it. Illinois' win over Nebraska was a bigger, bigger win than Mizzou's over South Carolina. Um, You know what? I'm going to take it just because of the state of the season. Yeah. Uh, e- even though it's not like Nebraska's Ohio State. Don't get me wrong. But still, that you know, that's a good win for Illinois. But you beat the, you beat the jerseys. It's kind of like when Mizzou beats uh, LSU. Beating the jerseys, regardless of how good the team is, is a big deal. So I, I will go with that. Mizzou has beaten South Carolina before, so I'll go with that. Yeah, and Mizzou's the- just now they're just three and three, and they have a really good chance to be in a bowl game. So, but that's part and parcel of what Mizzou is these days. Well, Nebraska was a sixteen and a half point favorite, and wow. Illinois won by eighteen. Mm-hmm. That just doesn't happen. Congrats to uh, Illinois for a big win over the uh, Huskers. ILL. Speaking of, I, speaking of Mizzou from the 618, take it or leave it. Mizzou wins six games this year. They're now three and three. I'm going to take it. Say that one more time. Mizzou wins six games this year. Take it or leave it. They are now three and three. I'm going to take it too. I think that they get. I think that they get there. You've got Vandy. You've got mm-hmm. Arkansas still on the horizon. May or may not have to play Georgia. We aren't sure about that. And uh, I'm leaving somebody out here. But yeah, I think they will get to six. This one from the 618. Take it or leave it. Roethlisberger deserves comeback player of the year more than Alex Smith. Oh, my gosh. Leave it. Yeah, I'll leave that, too. 
Do we need to Alex, go? Alex Smith is like the comeback player of the century. 17 surgery, flesh-eating bacteria. He thought his leg was going to get amputated. People didn't know if he could walk again. And he's leading the Washington football team to a win. No disrespect to anyone else's journey. But I would say those circumstances are pretty significant to overcome. Are you pretty grossed out by a bacteria that would want to eat flesh? Yeah, of course. Is anyone not grossed out by flesh-eating bacteria? Uh... I think everybody should be. By the way, Mizzou, uh, Arkansas, Mississippi State was the other one, and Vandy. Can you imagine having a surgery and they're like, hey, bad news, infection, flesh-eating bacteria. Ow. That can kill you. That's bad news. I'd be like, what? (laughs) How did this happen? (laughs) Yeah, most people, I, I shouldn't say most, I don't know the statistics, many people don't recover from that, and they do have to get the amputation. It's bad news. Insane. 65780 is the Air Comfort Service text line for your take it or leave it. This one from the um, 63, or excuse me, the 314, take it or leave it. Steen's going to retire soon and go straight to the front office with the Blues. I'm going to leave that. Do you see him as a front office guy? He may want to be a front office guy. But I'm going to I'm going to leave that. I don't know that they have an opening right now. I could see him maybe as a scout if he wants to do that, but Right now, they have a pretty full front office. But I know that our Army really likes him and has a lot of respect for him, too. I just wonder at what point a player would want to do that. I would maybe say, okay, I've made a lot of money. I don't, I just, I don't know if you'd want to go into the scouting life. Right. And it depends on the guy, and it depends on how, how much time you've had off. Like, Big Walt enjoys watching players and right. going around and seeing them. But he also had a couple of years to be with his kids before he took that job. Exactly. From the 636, this listener is in the Carolinas to visit family for Thanksgiving, so he proposes this. Take it or leave it, the Eastern time zone is the worst time zone in the USA. We'll start with this. Thank you very much for downloading the app and using the 101 ESPN app. We do appreciate it because I think we still have tower problems, and I don't think that our power is getting to the Carolinas. (laughs) I will take that. The, the Western, the Pacific time zone is the best and the uh, the Eastern time zone is the worst. No, no, no. The Central time zone is the best by far. Forget the rest because you get the perfect time for kickoff for games. Sometimes you have to stay up a little later than the West Coast, but at least you always know that you're done with work and time to watch a game. East Eastern time zone is the worst, absolute worst. I can't tell you how many nights I had to stay up so, so late to watch games when I was at ESPN. And I know it's like, oh, poor Michelle, but you still have to get up at the same time every day. You're in a chronic state of zombie because you're staying up late to enjoy your sporting events and you have to still get up early and go to work. So we can all agree on that. Here's the thing about the Pacific that I enjoy. When you have the preponderance of your games being night games, everything is over by 10 o'clock. Everything in the world is over by 10 o'clock for you. Now, obviously, you do have to wake up for a 10 o'clock in the morning NFL game. But that could be kind of fun, though. It could. And it's only 10 times a year, right? Or 16 times a year, I guess. So I don't think that that's a bad thing. Even like 9 o'clock for an East Coast game when you have to deal with those. But I do like the idea of everything being over by 10. But what if you're not done with work in time to get home to watch the beginning of the game? At least you're catching the end, I guess. Get a gig. Get a gig so you're watching by 4 o'clock. 
or have to get on a Zoom, right? A- AKA schedule, Zoom. schedule something at that yep. time. But I do like the getting up early and watching games, especially now that I've been watching a lot of EPL soccer. It's very mm-hmm. fun to wake up early and be able to throw on a game. Right. And the fact that we do start our NFL games at noon and most college football games, except for like the Big Ten that started at 11 in the morning, but still, that's not bad. And then everything is over by midnight. Central time zone's pretty darn good, it's too. It's the best. Thank you, Scotty. You got it. And thank you very much for your text to the Air Comfort Service text line at 65780. Next in the fast lane is... Oh, but not the fast no, lane. No, it's not the fast lane. It's Carriker and Smallman. Fast lane's in the afternoon. Somebody has to write this down for me. What, Carriker and Smallman? Yeah. It's like right here on the top of my sheet, it says Carriker and Smallman. I guess they need to write it in bigger letters because I'm an idiot. Should I just print out uh, yeah. the name of the show and we can tape it to your computer? <laughs> That's a good idea. Coming up on Carriker and Smallman, is Joe Burrow the next Sam Bradford on ESPN? We're right back to the Carriker and Smallman podcast on 101 ESPN. <laughs> 8.04 in St. Louis. Your time check brought to you by Clarkson Jewelers, an officially licensed Rolex jeweler. It's Carriker and Smallman. And with this being Thanksgiving week, later in the week on Wednesday, we're going to talk to a representative of Butterball. And we've got a $15 certificate to put towards your Butterball Thanksgiving turkey. All you need to do is follow Michelle on the Insta, Instagram, at msmallman. You can also follow Michelle on Twitter, at msmallman. And you can follow me on Instagram, at RJ Carricker, or on Twitter, at Randy Carricker. But you, right now, what you want to do is follow Michelle on Instagram, at M. Smallman. She's going to put a picture up of a certificate for that Butterball turkey. And when we give you the magic word, the magic word is going to come at 8.30 during the fight. You only have to hear that word and then respond to Michelle's picture with that word. Be the first to respond and you will have a Butterball turkey certificate waiting for you here at 101 ESPN. Pretty easy, huh? Pretty easy and... If you have a turkey already, or maybe you already have a specific turkey you'd like, you could also reply to the story and maybe get their certificate and give it to someone in need. That'd be a great idea. So you can do that. Michelle, Joe Burrow injured yesterday, tore his left ACL. He is out for the year. We had a situation similar to Burrow's here in St. Louis. Sam Bradford, the first pick in the draft. He was not given a very good supporting cast, never really had a number one wide receiver. The offensive line wasn't built to the level that it should have been for a young quarterback, and he suffered a torn ACL. You look at the Bengals. Only two teams in the league have allowed more sacks than them. They gave a franchise tag to A.J. Green, their formerly star-wide receiver, who can't play anymore. And to me, it looks suspiciously like the Bradford situation in Cincinnati with Joe Burrow. And the reason that he, he went down, maybe, but Chase Young is really good. But maybe right. if they would have had a better offensive line, this wouldn't have happened. Yeah, you. I, I understand the notion of taking a guy like Burrow, number one overall, and immediately wanting to play him, saying, hey, this guy's going to be our future. The quicker we can get him acclimated to the NFL, the better off we are going to be and the faster his development to that franchise quarterback is going to be but with that being said you have to make sure to protect him we saw it with Sam Bradford we saw it with Andrew Luck it's definitely 
in concert with drafting the quarterback is making sure that you have the pieces around him, at least early on from a protection standpoint. If you can go out and acquire those skilled guys throughout the, the early onset of his career to then help him out and help him succeed more, great. But first and foremost, make sure that line is short. We saw it with Sam Bradford. He had a revolving door of, of guys there. It was a Swiss cheese offensive line for a while, and we know what happened there. And apples to apples, the same ownership, the Mike Brown and Katie Brown ownership in Cincinnati drafted Carson Palmer with the number one overall pick in 2003. They still had John Kitna around and they kept Palmer on the bunch bench for a year and he turned into a really good quarterback, although his best years were spent in Arizona. This year, same ownership, drafts uh, the, the number one overall pick in Burrow and they still have Andy Dalton. But rather than keep Dalton around to play for a year and let Burrow sit around, learn the game, and fix your offensive line, let Dalton take the punishment. They cut Dalton, and they let Burrow take the punishment. I'm a big advocate of letting the veteran take the punishment before putting a number one, two, three, four, five, six pick into the game. Kind of what Miami did with Tua. They wanted to get things going offensive line-wise before they put him into the game. Obviously, they didn't have that luxury in San Diego, in, in L.A. with the Chargers, but they also had a pretty good team. Mm -hmm. So the real mistake here was made by the Bengals in allowing Burrow to start right off the bat. Yeah, he was sacked 32 times in 10 games. And that's like a mini car crash. I always say that anytime that you get hit in the NFL, your body essentially absorbs the same impact as it is if you get in a car crash. And think think about a player who's not used to getting hit that much and you're getting sacked 32 times. That's, that's going to be rough for any player, but especially a young quarterback like that. So a real shame for Joe Burrow, and hopefully he'll come back and... Oh. I would like to see the Bengals return to being good. They were better than people give them credit for. They went to the playoffs five consecutive years under Marvin Lewis. That's right. But I would like to see them, because that's a market similar to St. Louis. I'd like to see them have some success and get back to a Super Bowl. So would I. And I, I love Joe Burrow. I love what he did at LSU. I love that he's an Ohio kid and he ends up in Cincinnati. It's a great story. And he, he looked really good so far this season and it's just a shame that this had to happen to him and hopefully he has a great recovery and he doesn't miss a beat because I would hate absolutely hate to see his career get derailed so early meanwhile another interesting note from football came from the college game this weekend Dabo Sweeney last night saying that Florida State just didn't want to play Clemson Florida State, we get a texture that points out that Florida State was a five-touchdown underdog. They didn't really want anything to do with getting whooped by Clemson. Well, I don't know if that's necessarily the case. It very well could be, but I do wonder. And by the way, uh, our texture from the 314 says it was also in front of boosters while announcing layoffs due to financial shortfalls. The administration didn't want to play the game. But you also do want to protect your kids. I wonder, though, if Clemson might just be too good for a Florida State team that used to be dominant. Maybe they didn't want to get clobbered by five touchdowns against Clemson. Maybe it was just a matter of, okay, these guys are too good. Let's not play this game. Sure. 
I'm sure that that was at least a piece of the puzzle in the back of your mind because you have to weigh all of the factors at once. If you have a positive test from Clemson, you know that he was, even though Clemson followed the protocols and they were careful with this player, you know that he was around other members of the team. Even though we don't necessarily know about the in-game spread, you still have no idea how this virus is going to travel and you don't want to put your student athletes and your coaching staff at risk. But let's be completely transparent here, Randy. If Florida State was competing for a spot in the playoff, do you really think that that this one positive test would have for, forced the game to not be played? Probably not. And I hate to be that cynical person, but if I'm Florida State right now and I'm looking at a daunting task playing a Clemson team that hasn't played in a while and, as you mentioned earlier in the show, is ready to turn the page from the Notre Dame loss and has every reason in the world, every reason in the world to come out and stomp us and we have this situation pop up... All of a sudden, putting my student athletes at risk isn't worth it. It's not worth it. The risk reward there isn't really there for Florida State. What's the reward? You're not going to win that. That's game. the operative phrase: risk reward. Do, do you is the juice worth the squeeze? If you play that game, are you going to keep it close enough to feel good about it, or is it better off? Are you better off just not even playing it, so that you can say, okay, well, we didn't have to deal with that in 2020. That's probably some of the thought process that Florida State put into it. That's Michelle. I'm Randy. Coming up, we're going to head to the Blues booth and visit with our friend, the voice of the Blues here on 101 ESPN. Chris Kerber is next. We're right back to the Character and Smallman podcast on 101 ESPN. Chris Kerber is with us on the Brown and Crouppen Celebrity Line on 101 ESPN. Kerbs, happy Thanksgiving. How are you doing? Randy, I'm doing awesome. Uh, I'll tell you, this is a great uh, – Thanksgiving is my favorite holiday. I absolutely love it. But uh, we can't be in the radio business this week without constantly referencing the greatest single um, quote in uh, radio history when it comes to Thanksgiving, which, uh, as you know full well, is, as God is my witness, I thought turkeys could fly. <laughs> From WKRP in Cincinnati, Les <laughs> Nesman, one of the all-time greats. That, that was – Listen, I still th- I think that, that that episode of WKRP in Cincinnati maybe has has got to rank in the top five. It's got to be ranking the top five sitcom episodes of all time. I, I would agree with that. It, the The premise was great. It was a station promotion, and they were throwing turkeys out of helicopters. Oh my gosh! <laughs> Listen, Michelle, I'm telling you something. If you okay, you can watch the full episode on YouTube, right? Okay. Mm-hmm. All right. It, just right. Just type in Thanksgiving Day episode. It'll be 20 minutes well spent. It, it yeah. is. It is one of the funniest sitcom TV episodes ever done. Classic. Okay, I'm on it, Curbs. But if Thanksgiving is your favorite holiday, can I go ahead and jump to the conclusion that you're in charge of the turkey? Um, yeah, at home I am. Uh, this year we were fortunate enough we're up uh, visiting Christie's uh, father who we haven't seen in about a year. So um, I'm going to let him take care of it. But, yep, uh, I, I'll, I'll take care of the turkey. I love doing the cooking. Um, you know what? The, the thing that I've liked about Thanksgiving is it was a – it's always been a great family holiday with no pressure of any. Like, there's no, it's not gift related. It's not anything but just show up uh, and, and relax with family. I always love the fact that everything was closed down. I bemoan the fact that stores are open now on Thanksgiving night or even, but, you know, I, I don't partake in any of that. Uh, I keep it the way uh, I think it was supposed to be. But so for, 
for me, it's always been just about family, and, and that, that's that's why I love it so much. Curbs, normally, obviously, we would be playing hockey at this time of year. Chris Johnston from Sportsnet tweeted late last week, some NHL teams are starting to wonder if January 1st start date is still possible, but the league believes there is enough time to make it happen. The NHL and the NHLPA continue to grind away on the financial arrangement needed to proceed, and we talked about the financials last week. My question to you is, what are you hearing about January 1st? Is that a possibility? Uh, you know, what I'm hearing about January 1st is, yes, it's a possibility, but it's a reach. Um, and and so I think they're kind of keeping the hope there. But I, I just think logically that if you are looking in that range that, that we've been talking about now for a long time of anywhere from that 58 to 62 game, you know, home run window for games played, I, I don't know that you have to do January 1st. So I just look at it this way. We're, you know, we're already in Thanksgiving week, all right? So December starts December starts next week. I just think that I just don't know that a two-week training camp is enough, especially when you're talking some of these teams have been off for seven or eight-plus months. You talk about the seven teams that did not participate in August, right? So I, I think if you try to rush that just because you want a January 1st starting date, I think you're going to rush yourself into some potential injuries that frankly could be avoided if you have just a little bit of patience. And patience, I think, is something that people will understand these days. So uh, in my opinion, I, I don't know that that to do that, that means you have to have an agreement at camps are opening up in about a week and a half. And, and for me, that's that's just not enough. So I, I, I do think that while they're eyeing it, and I guess it is a possibility, you know, I, I think somewhere in that month of January becomes more realistic. And Curves, what do you make of the things we've been reading about with alignment, with uh, obviously teams wanting to limit travel, but some of the things that we have talked about have the Blues and the Red Wings seeing each other again. How do you feel about that? Oh, I love that. I I absolutely love that. I know it was hard for Detroit being the only Eastern Conference team until Columbus, of course, uh, you know, but for the longest time being the only Eastern Conference team, it's going to be the same kind of the distraction or, or detraction, I guess I mean to say for Phoenix when they're eventually in the central division because of, of Seattle. But I love, even if it's for another one year that those two teams are back in the same division. Listen, I'm okay with this. I'm, again, just like we were last season with the, the return to play, I'm okay with any and all creativity that it takes to make it work this year. We know things are not quite normal. We know that it's not, this is not something where play isn't happening because of, you know, the belief of the players or belief of owners. This is out of everybody's control. Whether we can put fans in the stands, you know, is up to local governments. It, it's, and, and I think the fans all accept that. So if you got to get creative with divisions and, and you could see Tampa and the Blues in the same division this year or if it's possible or, you know, we'll see, you know, the Detroit Red Wings maybe back in the Blues division and rekindle that for one year, I'm fine with it. If it means we go into Chicago and to eliminate travel, we play the Blackhawks in Chicago on, black, on back-to-back nights. I think we can create plenty of excitement from that kind of thing. So I'm all for any and all of that as long as we get it going and, and, and we've got a great product for the fans. Curbs, I'm really intrigued looking at the next couple of years by the left side of the Blues defense. Obviously, they have Krug, they have Scandella. Gunnarsson will be up after next year, but they signed Wallman now to a two-way contract for this year, one way for next year. Vince Dunn is a free agent. They've got Perunovic. They've got Mikola. There are a lot of players there. We don't know how good all of them are, but what do you think that the signing of Wallman to a one-year contract for next season means for Vince Dunn, if anything? Well, 
well, I don't think it means anything just yet. And and the reason I say just yet is because the first year of that, as you as you mentioned, is a two way deal. So they, they they gave themselves some options to go ahead and put Vince Dunn in Springfield, if he, he um, you know, it, or I'm sorry, not Vince Dunn, uh, Jake Wallman well, in Springfield, if if they desi- decide to do so. So what I think Doug Armstrong has done a great job throughout this off season is done is I think he's hedged his bets pretty well. You know, he's made sure that the depth is there if something else doesn't happen. You know, now, look, Vince Dunn doesn't have any rights, guys. The only right that Vince Dunn has here is to hold out, you know, and and I'm not sure that this is that that's the way to do that this year, especially if it's a shortened year. So, uh, you know, to, to me, they'll find a way to get some things done. They look, and, and if a, the players can gripe or a player can gripe all he wants, but it's a negotiated thing by your players' association. So I, I don't. I don't have a lot of sympathy along those lines when it comes to that kind of thing because the business side goes both ways. But as I look at it now, I mean, it, it's. I, I think when you look at the depth that is there, it's good. Now, the problem is, Randy, it's inexperienced. And, and to me, I just think you want to make sure you've got enough experience or enough ability to hide the inexperience when you need to uh, if you're to be able to make the, the runs that you need to make. And let's not forget that this team still is in that window of being able to compete for a Stanley Cup. And I don't think you take those opportunities lightly because we know how hard it is just to get yourself into that window with the experience you need. So uh, I, I think Vince Dunn is still very valuable because of that experience, even though you're talking about going into just year four. But that's a lot more experience, especially knowing that he's gone on the runs that the teams have gone on and what he's gone through. Than versus a guy that uh, is a rookie or has doesn't have that experience level in there. So I like the way it's shaping up long term. Uh, I'd, I'd like to see the experience of Vince Dunn ready to go for the start of the season. Curbs, as a noted Thanksgiving guy, you've got your turkey on your plate. All the sides are lined up. Which side are you attacking first? What's number one in the power rankings? Uh, oh, I, a good a good stuffing. Just give me a good. A good bread stuffing with some gravy. I'm good with that. That that's that's my top one. Uh, mashed potatoes, I think, is, is is number two. And then um, and I'm appreciative of the fact that uh, that, that Christy and has, has has gotten to understand this. But uh, somewhere hidden in the refrigerator is my own pumpkin pie that I can eat whenever <laughs> I want that day that I don't have to worry about it disappearing. There you go. That's the play. <laughs> that is for sure. That is the play. Hey, this is the one for everybody else. You know, dad's is kind of stuck way in the back there. Nobody knows it. And then when everybody's gone later on that night, that's when you take it out and peacefully enjoy it. And Curbs, on the pumpkin pie, are we going whipped cream or Cool Whip? Uh, Both. I don't care. (laughs) Just lots of it. (laughs) Very nice. Curbs, always good to have you with us. Thanks so much for the time. We appreciate it. Have a great Thanksgiving, and we'll talk to you next week. Yeah, happy Thanksgiving to you both and everybody out there. Have a safe week. Uh, Be smart, and uh, we'll talk to everybody next week. Thank you, guys. All right, see you later. That is the voice of the blues, Chris Kerber. And by the way, if they can grind away and they don't do Thanksgiving at the same time we do in Canada, right, so they can still keep grinding away Thursday and Friday, come up with an agreement for restarting things over the course of the next weekend, start training camp like December 10th and play on January 1st. I have no problem with that. Sounds great to me. And wouldn't that be a great post-Thanksgiving gift to get those dates announced? I like that a lot. Coming up on Carriker and Smallman, we are going to have the fight and we're going to give away a $15 certificate for a Butterball Turkey. It's coming your way on 101 ESPN. We're right back to the Carriker and Smallman podcast on 101 ESPN. <laughs> Carriker and Smallman.
Coach Joe Listener. And in the blue corner, the undisputed king of Morning Drive. Please welcome Randy Carricker. Welcome back to Carricker and Smallman here on 101 ESPN. It's 8.33 in the morning. That time check brought to you by Clarkson Jewelers, an officially licensed Rolex jeweler. And it is time for the fight. Michael was brave enough to be Randy's contestant today. Good morning, Michael. Good morning, Michelle. How are you? I'm doing great. How are you on this Monday? I'm doing all right for Monday. You know what? It's a short week, though. At least hopefully it's a short week for you. Absolutely. Absolutely, yeah. So Mondays don't sting as bad when you know that in a few days you're going to be off for a few days, if that makes sense. Exactly. And it's a good holiday like Thanksgiving, too. That's right. Eat a lot of food, watch some football. You know, what's more American than that? Long weekend. <laughs> Long weekend. All right. All right, Michael, let's get it cracking with the fight. Question number one. How many years was Joe Burrow LSU's starting quarterback? One, two, or three? Uh, I believe it was one. Question number two, Michael. What pick was Jason Tatum in the 2017 NBA draft? Did he go third overall, fourth overall, or fifth overall? Third. All right, Michael. We saw Taysom Hill get his first start as the Saints quarterback yesterday. Where did Taysom Hill play his college football? Was it BYU, Boise State, or TCU? Uh, I believe it was BYU. And final question, Michael. When was the last season the Steelers had the best record in the AFC North? Was it 2015, 2016, or 2017? Uh, can you repeat that again? Yep. When was the last season the Steelers had the best record in the AFC North? Was it 2015, 2016, or 2017? Let's go All right. Checking our score here. I remember that Jason Tatum draft. I was up at ESPN and I kept telling people, I'm like, these other guys, I'm telling, he is better than them. He is better than them. And they're like, oh, you're such a homer. I'm like, I'm telling you, he's better than them. <laughs> he's better than them. And I think that he proved me correct. I think Jason Tatum proved me correct. Randy, please say good morning to Michael. Michael, good morning. How you doing? Good morning, Randy. I'm doing well. How about you? Everything's great. Thanks for listening. Thanks for playing. We do appreciate it. All right, Randy. Question number one. Mm -hmm. How many years was Joe Burrow LSU's starting quarterback? He was their starting quarterback for two, I believe. Question number two, Randy. What pick was Jason Tatum in the 2017 NBA draft? He should have been first, but he wound up going third. And actually, the... uh, the Philadelphia 76ers traded down and traded up to get that guard who can't play, who's with Orlando now, that shooting guard. Yeah, Markel Fultz. Yeah. Yeah. Can't play. Mm-hmm. Man. Yeah, what a story that was. All right, Randy, we saw Taysom Hill get his first start as the Saints quarterback yesterday. Where did Taysom Hill play college football? Good question. I believe he was a uh, quarterback slash receiver slash tight end for Brigham Young University. And your final question, Randy, when was the last season the Steelers had the best record in the AFC North? Won the AFC North? 
Won last year because they missed the playoffs. Um, probably, let's see, that year that they lost to Jacksonville, would that have been 2017? I'm going to go with 17, 18. Yeah, I'm going to go with that year, uh, 2017. We've got a winner. Go crazy, folks! Go crazy! We have a winner and still champion, Randy Carricker! Brought to you by Dobbs Tire and Auto Centers. Your best choice for quality tires and expert auto service. Dobbs. Good job, good effort, Michael. But Randy came in hot on a Monday, as you heard Jack Buck's voice. He got all four correct. But here are your answers. Joe Burrow was LSU's starting quarterback for two seasons, 2018 and 2019. One not so great and one really great. I was just going to say, we all remember 2019. Jason Tatum was the third overall pick in the 2017 NBA draft. You guys both got that one correct. Behind Markel Fultz, as Randy mentioned, and Lonzo Ball. Yikes. Remember that? The LeVar Ball tour? Glad those days are over. Taysom Hill played his college football at Brigham Young University. I knew that one because our old buddy Dave Payne, who used to run the board on the Bernie Mickle show, always used to talk about him. And And that's why he's 30 years old and getting his first start in in the NFL as a quarterback. There you go. And the last season that the Steelers had the best record in the AFC North was 2017, which is kind of hard to believe. Yeah, but Ben's been down for a couple of years Mm -hmm. and it's... Now, now they're back. I think they'll wind up with the best record in the division this year. I think they will. I think they will. <laughs> Michael, thank you so much for playing, and happy Thanksgiving from Carriker and Smallman. No problem. You guys have a good one. All right. Have a great uh, time today and a great Thanksgiving. Speaking of Thanksgiving, we're giving away a certificate for a, a turkey that I'm holding in my hand. Oh, he's flapping it around. Yeah. So Michelle has put up on her Instagram page, and you have to follow Michelle on Instagram. Uh, she's put up on a, a, a story, an Instagram story, a picture of this very certificate. And all you have to do is be the first to respond to the word that we say here on the air, and you will win our first turkey giveaway of the day. What should the word be, Randy? What's something that is completely indigenous to Thanksgiving? I know there's a lot of things like food and pie and stuff like that. But one thing that pretty much everybody that's listening to this show is going to be involved with on Thanksgiving Well, there's really only two things I can think of when I think of things. Well, three things. I think of family. Hmm? I think of food. Hmm? And, Randy, I think of football. Well, let's go with football then. That's a great idea. All right. If you are the first to respond to Michelle's Instagram story with the word football, you will win a $15 certificate towards a Butterball turkey that you can either use for Thanksgiving or, as Michelle noted, there are a lot of people in need out there, and you can provide that to them as well. As you mentioned, if you want, you could. If you don't know anyone in need, you could just be a good Samaritan and give it to somebody at the grocery store. Yeah, that'd be cool, wouldn't it? Just go up to the butterball thing where people are looking for the turkey and just say, "Hey, you can have this. I want it from 101 ESPN." Listen to them. Yeah, download the app, stream character and small men. Yep. Saturday, Michelle, I was out with my friend Demetrius Johnson, and his charitable foundation now for 29 years has provided Thanksgiving meals for underprivileged people in the St. Louis area at the Peabody Projects and LaSalle Projects and the city of St. Louis, what DJ does is unbelievable. And I said at the beginning of our event the other day, if we had 365 people like that to do one thing like that every day of the year, a lot of our world's problems would be solved. But I want to just give a shout out to DJ because every year he's there front and center providing underprivileged people an opportunity to have a Thanksgiving meal that they wouldn't otherwise have. 
Amazing. And 29 years, what an amazing commitment to pouring back into the community. Yeah. And he has a Christmas get together for kids where kids get Christmas presents. Uh, they're graduating kids, getting them their GEDs. That foundation does amazing things. So thanks to DJ for having me out there. Coming up, uh, another amazing win for the Kansas City Chiefs last night. Adam Teicher of ESPN.com will join us to talk about how incredible they are next on 101 ESPN. We're right back to the Character and Smallman podcast on 101 ESPN. Now Williams, who had been wide left, motions in the backfield. Shotgun snap to Mahomes. He's back to pass. He has time. He steps up. Mahomes throws for the end zone. Got a man wide open. It's Kelsey. Touchdown, Kansas City. Travis Kelsey was wide open in the end zone, and Mahomes finds him with 28 seconds left. Chiefs on top, 34-31. Patrick Mahomes to Travis Kelsey, and Kansas City has the lead. Another amazing win for the 9-1 Chiefs. You heard it last night here on 101 ESPN with Michelle Smallman. I'm Randy Carricker, and we head to the Brown and Crouppen Celebrity Line, and Adam Teicher covers the Chiefs for ESPN.com. He is their NFL Nation reporter and kind enough to get up this morning to join us. Adam, thanks so much for the time. How are you doing? You bet. How are you all doing today? Everything's going great. We reached a point here where when we had the greatest show on turf going and, and things like last night would happen, you say – I'm just not surprised. Are you ever amazed anymore by what this Chiefs <laughs> offense is able to accomplish? Um, you know, it, 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 times you do become numb to it, and then you get to a situation like last night where, um, you know, everything just worked almost perfectly on that last drive of the game, and you say, you know what, this this doesn't happen every day. And, you know, the Chiefs are kind of testament to that. I mean, they, they had some, some bad seasons, even some good seasons, uh, you know, in the 50 years between their Super Bowls, but uh, never, they were almost always on the losing ends of these kinds of games. And uh, so now they're on, the, you know, say it's on the other uh, side and, uh, you know, they're, they're the ones winning these kinds of games. And it's, uh, it, it, you know, you tend to get numb to it at some sometimes, but uh, last night probably wasn't one of them. Adam, we tend to get numb to greatness, consistent greatness, like Patrick Mahomes. He's got kind of the LeBron James thing going on now where because he's so great, people want to give the MVP award to anyone but Patrick Mahomes. But do you think he's now the MVP leader in the NFL? Yeah, I mean, last night certainly didn't hurt his case. Uh, I'll say that much. Um, Yeah, I I guess there's probably a little bit of that going on. Um, You know, people saying, ah, Russell Wilson's never winning it. It's it's his turn. But, you know, there's other people who are playing really well. I mean, Aaron Rodgers is having a great season. Some other guys as well. I mean, Derek Carr is having a great season too. Um, so, you know, it's, it's one of those deals where there are a lot of guys deserving. And if, and if say Aaron Rodgers was, were to win it right now, I think I certainly could at least could understand that, but, uh, Hey, there's uh, what six more regular season games to go for everybody. So, um, going to be an interesting, uh, uh, to see how this uh, all finishes up. Adam, speaking of Mahomes, we know that he and Travis Kelsey have amazing chemistry. We heard the highlight as we came into the segment. That connection is unbelievable. Um, You wrote a great piece at ESPN.com about that chemistry between Mahomes and Kelsey. So are they the best pass-catch combination of their time? And if so, why? Yeah, I mean, you you have to look at, certainly when you're looking at tight ends, you'd have to look at uh, Brady and Gronkowski. I mean, they're certainly in that... um, that uh, realm too. Um, 
but whether they're the best or not, they're certainly fantastic at it. And, uh, you know, they, they've stood the test of time a little bit. This is three years now, and uh, they're, they're putting up some historic numbers for, for combinations. We've been together three years. You know, a lot of it just goes back to the fact that these guys are friends and, and um, hang out a lot off the field. And, um, you know, so they kind of got that bond going. But um, you know, they, they watch film together. They see the same things. They kind of know how each other thinks. Um, there, there's several examples of plays where um, Mahomes kind of threw the ball thinking Kelsey's going to see this, and it turns out that he did. Um, you know, another thing that hasn't helped or, or hurt things and probably helped things is that Travis Kelsey was once a quarterback. He started in college at the University of Cincinnati as a quarterback. So, he's kind of used to reading defenses and, and thinking that way. And he said many times that it helps him a lot. Having been a former quarterback, you know, he sees coverages, he understands coverages. He um, knows how to beat them. He says, he thinks that's the key to beating coverage consistently is, is knowing what they're in and what they're going to do. So uh, there's just a lot that goes into it, but certainly it's uh, been uh, kind of interesting to watch develop over the years for sure. Adam, as you watch this team, and we're across the state, and everybody in the country knows about Mahomes and Hill and Kelsey and Jones and Matthew, but who's the unsung hero of the Kansas City Chiefs? Unsung hero. Um, wow. Um, I feel like you'd have to be on defense because everybody on offense is, is well sung, right? <laughs> Uh, you know, Tyron Matthew, I, I don't think everybody understands what a great player Tyron Matthew is. <clears throat> you know, he made all pro last year, so it's not like people are ignoring him or sleeping on him. But I, I feel like a lot of things he does go under the radar. There's not great stats. You know, he's not going to uh, you know, lead the team in tackles or interceptions or anything like that. Um, but a lot of things he does just, just go unnoticed. Uh, he, he's you can do so many things with him from the Chiefs than they do from slot coverage to, to safety play. They can do a lot of different things with him, and they do a lot of different things with him. Um, and, and then there's the, the leadership part of it. I mean, I've never quite seen a guy. You know, he came in last year with, to the Chiefs as a free agent, and a lot of times, most of the time, free agents, when they come into a new situation, they kind of stay in the background a little bit. You know, they're, they're always kind of uh, – want to take the lay of the land, if you will. But but he just sort of stepped right in and took that locker room over as his own, at least for the defensive side. And that's, uh, you know, an intangible thing, certainly. But uh, he, he's kind of the guy who uh, everybody listens to in that locker room when he talks. So, um, uh, you know, that, that'd probably be a guy, even though he's not an unknown player, that, uh, that, that uh, probably doesn't get enough credit. Adam, I want to stick with the defense. I think a lot of people, even despite that big win, are looking at the Chiefs today with a lot of questions about their defense. Do you think that the Chiefs are able to, or excuse me, capable of repeating given the questions that a lot of people have about their defense? Yeah, that's they're, they're going to have to score some points the way they're playing right now. I mean, they've given up over 30 in each of the last two, um, and, and, and neither of the opponents have been what you'd think of as strong offensive teams. I mean, the Raiders are certainly capable they can uh, put some points on the board, but they, they haven't been doing that in, in big numbers. So um, um, you wonder a little bit. I just don't know where the Chiefs are defensively right now. There seems to be little that works for them from week to week. They spent a lot of money on their pass rush and, and signed Frank Clark and signed Chris Jones, and they're not getting much from those guys. Last night was a game that you 
that's why you pay Chris Jones and you pay Frank Clark is for games like that. And they got very little done last night. So you wonder a little bit about where the chiefs are and there were guys running wide open. And, and, you know, we saw this similar things maybe to a greater extent, but we saw similar things from the Raiders against the chiefs the last time around. And you figured the chiefs would fix a lot of the issues that uh, ailed them against the Raiders. And uh, they, they weren't able to, uh, you know, they, they blitzed quite a bit last night and, tried to put pressure on Carr and were unable to get there. So you, you wonder a little bit uh, about that. And, um, you, you know, you, you can't always rely on Pat Mahomes to bail you out, uh, you know, in the last minute and a half of the game. You know, sooner or later, the Chiefs are going to have to uh, beat a good opponent with their defense, um, and we'll see if they're capable of it. I, I, I just uh, I, I wonder about that myself. And I, I thought it was interesting in seeing your story this morning, Adam, that that's the first time Mahomes has thrown a go-ahead touchdown pass in the last two minutes of a game? Yeah, it is. Uh, I, I was stunned to learn that. I mean, they've had some late-game comebacks. Um, you know, they won a game in Detroit last year on a touchdown with 20 seconds left, but that was a rushing touchdown. So this was the first TD pass he's thrown. Uh, I'm guessing it's uh, in the last two minutes to win a game or, or, or at least put the Chiefs ahead. Um, I'm guessing it won't be the last one. No, I wouldn't think so. Hey, before we let you go, next week you've got Mahomes and the Chiefs at Brady and the Bucks. That'll be fun and interesting. Yeah, no, no doubt. I'm really looking forward to this game. That that'll be a lot of fun. And and the last two Chiefs games, you know, they they had the bye last week, but they played Carolina in a great game the week before uh, the bye. The last two games for the Chiefs have just been fantastic. Just highly entertaining, and came down to the end. You know, Carolina missed a field goal in the last play of the game the last time. And then, you know, you saw what happened at the end last night. Um, so I'm really looking forward to this. I think it's going to be a similar type game where every play really matters. Adam, thanks so much for the time. We appreciate you getting up with us this morning and continued success in writing about the Kansas City Chiefs. Thanks. And let's do this again sometime. You bet. Take care. That is Adam Teicher covers the Chiefs for NFL Nation on ESPN.com. Are you numb to the greatness of that offense yet? I don't think so. No, I'm still flabbergasted when things. And by the way, I was shocked to learn that. that, I that know. That's his first touchdown pass to put his team ahead in the last two minutes of the game. No, I'm not because they're the only team that does it now. And they aren't the greatest show on turf, as Coach Vermeil pointed out. They, they just aren't. But they're the best thing we've got going now and far and away the most exciting thing we've got going right now. And I wonder if they'll get Le'Veon Bell going a little bit more. He had some pretty good runs and plays last night. There's just certain things, though, that Patrick Mahomes does that you expect him to do that are outrageous, but you expect him to do it because he's that good and that consistent. You always do, right? Don't you expect <laughs> yes, him to, to win the game? And he is the most dynamic combination of running and throwing successfully that has been around because – Michael Vick was a, a, an incredibly dynamic player. He didn't throw it, obviously, like Mahomes does. Marino was a great thrower, but couldn't run like Mahomes. For, so for somebody to have that combination, you look at a Lamar Jackson who, Jackson who can really wing it, but threw a key interception yesterday, Mahomes always seems to have the right thing going at the right time. He's yes, great. Yes, he does. Did somebody respond on your uh, Instagram machine? We have a lot. I was just going to pull it up, and we will announce a winner in the 9 o'clock hour. I like that a lot. All right. Speaking of that nine o'clock hour coming up, can the Bengals fix the problems that ail them and make Joe Burrow better? And once again, we're going to hear from Dabo Sweeney and his kind of rant, whine, whiny, whiny rant. It was a whiny rant from Dabo Sweeney last night. We'll hear from him next on Carriker and Smallman on 101 ESPN. 
We're right back to the Character and Smallman podcast on 101 ESPN. Coming up on 902, your time check brought to you by Clarkson Jewelers, an officially licensed Rolex jeweler. Michelle Smallman, Randy Carricker, great to have you with us. And Michelle, it's interesting to see how some people handle the distraction that is the coronavirus. It's more than a distraction for many, 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 many people. But from a college football perspective, this weekend, Florida State decided not to play against Clemson. And the Clemson coach, Dabo Sweeney, none too happy. If the standard to play was zero positive tests, then we would have never had a season. This game was not canceled because of COVID. COVID was just an excuse to cancel the game. To me, the Florida State administration forfeited the game. And if they want to play Clemson, in my opinion, they need to come to Clemson or they need to pay for all expenses. Other than that, there's no reason for us to play them. We were there, we were ready, and we met the standard. The two teams did meet before the game, and that's when Clemson find out, found out three hours before game time that they weren't going to play. thought it was interesting. He said, in his opinion, Florida State forfeited the game, which mm-hmm. should be a win for Clemson. True. Um, and I know that Dabo desperately wants his team to play. I know that this is a coach with a team that is coming off a loss to Notre Dame. This is a coach with a team that wants to build their resume for the playoff committee. But if you're Florida State, what is the positive of you playing this game after you find out that a member of the Clemson team has tested positive? Tests. That's the positive. <laughs> <laughs> there you go. One positive test. That's right. But from... From the Florida State perspective, if you're standing in those decision-makers' shoes, what is the reason that you can write in Sharpie that you say we should play this game? You're a five-touchdown underdog. You're most likely going to lose. You have a positive test on the opposing team, and you know that that player has been in contact with his teammates. You don't know how that could potentially spread to your players in-game. And... God forbid you go ahead and play that game and then all of a sudden you are dealing with your student athletes being sick and having an outbreak. There's really no win for Florida State in this scenario. No, it's different if it's Clemson because they're playing for a national championship. But when you talk about risk reward, what's Florida State playing for? And different teams are in different situations. Mizzou has had to deal with tons of positive tests over the course of the season. They went in with a limited roster in South Carolina on Saturday night, and they were able to win the game. And Eli Drinkwitz was asked, hey, why did you play? I mean, we wanted to play no matter what. As long as we didn't have something from a medical standpoint that we would have considered it to be an outbreak, we were going to play. Just felt like our guys had been working way too hard to not play a game. You know, I think we only flew 65 guys down here. They give you 70, but we only brought 65. And so we're running low, but we felt like it was important to give our guys an opportunity to play. And to win, that's another thing. Florida State probably knew they weren't going to win the game. And it is different when you've only played two games in 41 days. It was their third game, second game in in 42 days for Mizzou. And like he said, they've been practicing for a long time to practice as much as they practiced and then to not be able to play games. That sucks for a football player. It really does. And I can appreciate that side of this, too, from Dabo's perspective. You have your team that has prepared and they are physically ready to go you incurred the cost three hundred thousand dollars to get to tallahassee you even said to florida state hey we will undergo additional testing on saturday or sunday and maybe we can play the game on sunday or monday and then florida state declines 
I, I get it from his perspective that he would like to play this game because he feels like they've done everything possible and protected their players, and they were cautious with the player who was showing mm -hmm. a little bit of symptoms before they knew that he had tested positive. I get that perspective, but I also understand if you're Florida State mm -hmm. why, totally. why you would look at this scenario from a completely different lens. Yeah. By the way, Michelle, we should have uh, we should shout out both Mizzou and Illinois yes. for their wins this weekend. A great job by both programs. Mizzou going to South Carolina, coming away with a victory, and Eli has had a lot of defections among the wide receiver core and a lot of not great performance by people that he would have expected. Finally, they're starting to get really good work out of some of the receivers. Kiki Chisholm the other night with six catches for 57 yards. He's a guy that uh, I joked the other night. I didn't know who he was because all of a sudden he shows up. He, he did in the Florida game, but not enough to, to help him win. But he, he finally shows up, and he's a big part of a win. And then they get uh, Toski Dove. What a, what a great name. A touchdown out of Toski Dove. Toski Dove is an unbelievable name. Yeah. It sounds like he should be the lead singer of Mumford & Sons or something, oh, that's though, a not a football idea. player. Yeah. Like, oh, Toski Dove on lead vocals and guitar. <laughs> Toski Dove is headlining Coachella. I could absolutely see that. So congratulations to the Tigers on their 17-10 win at South Carolina. And then you've got your ILL. I and I. With a 41-23 route of Nebraska. Uh, the Illinois quarterback, Brandon Peters, 18 of 25 for 205 and a touchdown. They got great running out of Mike Epstein and Chase Brown. Each ran for more than 100 yards. And the Illini appear to be rolling here. They're they're getting to the middle of the pack in the Big Ten. Which is about where we expected them yeah. to be. <laughs> hey, you can't expect much more. They're two and three. Mizzou's three and three. That's where those programs are right now. And by the way, Nebraska falls to one and three. Can I say one thing about Illinois, though? Mm -hmm. Yeah. Whoever is running their social media account, did you see this over the weekend? I heard about it, yeah. So they tweeted from Illinois Athletics, Good game, Nebraska. Thanks for bringing back Big Ten football. You guys, no. Absolutely not. This is just like when Mizzou beat LSU and then they posted the picture of the cigar broken in mm -hmm. half as a notch of Joe Burrow who isn't playing on the team anymore and who they never would have beaten a million years. Illinois, know your place. Read the room. Great win. ILL, I and I, I'm pumped for you. But let's not taunt Nebraska like we're Ohio State. Yeah, Nebraska does have a pretty good pedigree historically. Maybe not in the Big Ten, but come on. Right. Yeah. You don't need to taunt we, them. We're not in the place to be taunting anyone, is all I'm saying. Not right now. Not right now. Same thing when they beat Wisconsin. Huge win last season, and then they play jump around. Great. I get it. You're hyped up. But let's not taunt other programs. No, that'll come back to haunt you at some Absolutely. point. Absolutely. Michelle, Joe Burrow out for the season, the number one overall pick in this year's NFL draft by the Bengals. And the Bengals are playing with two second-year players on the right side of their offensive line. They've got a rookie on the left side at left tackle. Then in the middle, uh, the center and left guard have been playing for a while, five and six years. But they aren't great players. Nobody's ever going to confuse them with pro bowlers. A.J. Green has not been what he was before. He's playing under the franchise tag. Their other wide receivers, while talented, have yet to be great. T. Higgins and Tyler Boyd. I hope that they can fix what ails that offense by the time Joe Burrow is healthy to play again. Get him a good offensive line. I know Joe Mixon is out. That hurts, too. So you can't run the ball as well. But get him some receivers and offensive linemen. 
Is that too much to ask? Shouldn't be hard for a number one pick in the draft. For a, and a number one pick who showed incredible signs of promise. And I'm sure that this is something that Cincinnati is aware of, obviously, and that they're going to hopefully take seriously and do whatever they can to improve upon in this offseason. But if you're Joe Burrow, too, you incur this injury and you're doing the rehab, you're coming back, you're probably a little bit nervous or skeptical when you first get out there and I just imagine that would be heightened knowing, hey, I don't know if these guys in front of me can really block these these guys coming after me. Burrow gets hurt. Tua gets benched. And Justin Herbert goes 37 to 49. Granted, it was against the Jets, but it was 37 to 49 for 366, three touchdowns and no picks. And the Chargers win their third game of the year. So the third pick of all of those quarterbacks winds up having the best day. And he is doing some magical things. Justin Herbert is better than I thought he was going to be. I told I asked for your ruling a couple weeks ago. Yep. He's so fun to watch and I really like what he's doing with the Chargers and I didn't know if that was a team that I could possibly cheer for. Yeah, you can. There are a lot of reasons to cheer for him. But, you know, we, we've come to a different determination that we're going to talk about later in the show about yeah. the official team of Carriker and Smallman. Right. Herbert with five games with at least three touchdown passes, the most by a rookie in NFL history. Five three-touchdown pass games. That's the most for a rookie. 22 touchdown passes. The first rookie quarterback with at least two touchdown passes in seven consecutive games in NFL history. So he's doing a bunch of stuff that nobody's ever done before. 20 touchdown passes in his ninth career game. Tied with George Ratterman, the immortal George Ratterman, as the fourth fastest, play, fastest player to reach that mark in NFL history. Only Patrick Mahomes, Kurt Warner, and Deshaun Watson reached 20 career touchdown passes in fewer games than Justin Herbert. Wow. Impressive. He's really good. All right. Do we have a, a winner of a turkey thing? We're, we're giving away a certificate for uh, $15 towards your butterball turkey. We have a winner. His name is Dave. I'm Dave. waiting for Dave to respond back and let me know his full name so we can announce the full name of the winner. But it's Dave. All right. All right congrats, Dave. congrats to Dave. And he can come by and pick up this envelope here at the 101 ESPN Studios in Creve Corps. Next up, you're killing me, Smalls, on 101 ESPN. We're right back to the Character and Smallman podcast on 101 ESPN. All right, it's time for... You're killing me, Smalls. All right, Randy, the Eagles, tough loss to the Browns, 22-17 to over the weekend. They drafted 3-6-1 and in the NFC East. Yikes. Carson Wentz, not a great day for him. He threw for two touchdowns, but two interceptions and a terrible pick six. And Eagles fans are starting to revolt against him. They're saying free Jalen Hurts. There's actually a change.org petition, Randy, that popped up from Eagles fans that says, Jeffrey Laurie, fire Carson Wentz now. Sign the petition. You want me to read you a, yes, a piece I, of the petition? This sounds creative. I like it. Carson Wentz is the worst quarterback in the history of the NFL. I'm tired of waking up every football Sunday, excited to watch the birds and all of my green, and then bam, Wentz stops on my heart and he shatters it to pieces. It's a false hope every Sunday. He wakes up on Sunday mornings and the first thing he says to himself is, how much can I disappoint all the Eagles fans today? He, <laughs> his yard sucks. His sacks are embarrassing. He is embarrassing. Bring back Nick. That's a very erudite and well thought out change.org petition. And I kind of get where Eagles fans are coming from. They're in the heat of the moment. There's a little recency bias. I don't think he is the worst quarterback 
in the history of the league. But I totally get in Philadelphia how you would want to have a petition to get Jalen Hurts in the lineup. I thought Carson Wentz was going to be great. He's never, for whatever reason, come back from that injury. And I wouldn't be averse to seeing Jalen Hurts at this point. I wouldn't either. Are you surprised that we haven't had more fans in St. Louis pop up with these change.org petitions against maybe some Cardinals players, things like that? Yeah, I'm, I am surprised that we haven't had more uh, virulent uh, opposition to some of the Cardinals. Look at you. Vocabulary today. Thank you, yeah. Impressive, Randy. Impressive. You're killing me, Smalls. Okay, so the Titans-Ravens game yesterday was interesting for several reasons, but I want to talk about the head coaches here in this game. So prior to the game, there was a little, there was an incident, more action than we're used to in pregame. So what happened was the Titans players were out on the field for pregame stuff. The Ravens players weren't there yet, but the Ravens coaching staff was out there. And the Titans players, they said, you know what, we're going to invade the crests at midfield, which we know is a no-no. The head coach of the Ravens, Jim Harbaugh, didn't like it. So he moves towards them to talk about this, to confront them. The situation escalates. Harbaugh and Titans cornerback Mal- Malcolm Butler start shouting at each other. The next thing you know, Titans head coach Mike Vrabel and Harbaugh are in what is being described as a spirited chat. And it settled down, but there was certainly tension before the game. And then after the game, Mike Vrabel comes over to shake hands with John Harbaugh. Harbaugh appears to wave him off. Now, in the post game, the coaches said, no, no, no beef. We did shake hands at the end. Nothing to see here. But I don't know, Randy. I'm sure if you saw the video, it got pretty intense between those two teams. I was watching live and there was no handshake. I don't know why they think that this wasn't like shown on camera because everything is recorded on camera now. And... I love the idea of having a team that has that sort of swagger that you go out and you jump on the opposition's logo mm-hmm. at midfield. That's what the St. Louis Rams did during the greatest show on turf era. That, that's when you know that you're going to go into a place and win the game. And so I give them all the credit in the world for that. It's really not a big deal in the scheme of things, but it's pretty cool when you do it and then you go and win the game. And I'm a Ravens fan. I want them to win. I'm a Harbaugh fan. I want him to win. But, hey, you got to – if somebody's going to do that to you, John, you've got to win the game. I was just going to say – but also, though, if you're the Titans, which they did, you go in there and you do that, you know that you're going to stomp on the logo at midfield. You better win the game. And they did. They they beat the Ravens 30-24. to It was a really impressive comeback. The the Titans are really good. They, They could wind up in the Super Bowl. You're killing me, Small! Okay, this is one of my favorite stories from the weekend, Randy. So Mike Perry, he's a UFC fighter. He's walking into his bout, UFC 255 on Saturday night. Okay, we know these fighters. They have their entrance song and they use it to get hyped, to get in that place mentally where they need to go to get ready for this fight. And they carefully select these to put them in that headspace. So here's Mike Perry. He's walking out. He's ready for his song to play. And this happens. Discipline win, DC. I thought over Mickey Gall. In June, inside this very building. What the? I showed that he has a well-rounded skill set. Hey, somebody said that this was interesting music by Mike Perry in my ear. And Mike goes, "What is this song?" They put on the wrong song. But Mike, look at him. He just kind of rolled with it, right? That's Mike Perry for you. Just kind of rolled with the punches. I mean, Mike Perry. Picked it, maybe. I don't know what happened. He picked this song. He picked, he picked the song. Did he? he forgot. I mean, he forgot he picked it. <laughs> 
So the song that started playing in lieu of the of the hype song mm-hmm. that Mike Perry wanted was Beyonce's Halo. And you heard Mike Perry there say, what? This is not the song that I picked. But then he says he's rolling with it. And he starts blasting and singing Beyonce's Halo at the top of his lungs. Didn't really help him. He ended up losing in a decision to Tim Means in their welterweight fight. But I appreciate him rolling with the punches and using Beyonce to hopefully lift him up. Got to have a sense of humor about it. And he did. It would have been nice if... He would have had his hype song, so he could have won the fight, but he didn't, and he didn't. But I'm glad that he was able to roll with the punches, too, and not get mad. A lot of those guys get really mad, and they'd have to start their entrance over again if they didn't have their song. Yeah, but in that moment, you're thinking, okay, is this Beyonce saying that she's got a halo, she's going to lift me up to another level? Is this meant to be? And that song is a jam. It's it's more low-key than a hype song. Yeah, that's the problem. But You're it walking a into jam. a UFC fight. It's a great tune, but I don't think it's a one that gets you ready to fight. No, it doesn't make me want to punch anyone in no. the face, but it does make me want to sing, Yeah, which we saw Mike Perry do. Very so respect good. to him. You're killing me, Smalls. Okay, finally, Randy, since it's Thanksgiving week, we're going to try to work in some fun Thanksgiving stories here on Carriker and Smallman. And Red Lobster, known for seafood, obviously, but I would say more known for their Cheddar Bay biscuits. No question. Those biscuits are unbelievable. Well, they said, what can we do to bring America happiness this Thanksgiving in 2020. They have released a Cheddar Bay biscuit stuffing recipe for Thanksgiving. Would you go for it? 100%, yes. Do we use Cheddar Bay biscuits as our uh, croutons in the stuffing? Yes, of course. Awesome. Okay, I'm down with this. This is great. Where can I find this recipe? Um, We can post it on a 101 ESPN. We can just get it ready for everybody. Okay, I like this. I don't know if I'll make it right away, but I might make it on Sunday when I make my backup turkey. You make a backup turkey on Sunday? Betcha. Okay, walk me through this. Well, you have to have one for Thanksgiving and then like the Friday and Saturday after where you have sandwich stuff and turkey tetrazzini turkey and because I make turkey tetrazzini every year. Okay, okay. But then I want to have some backup turkey for more sandwiches for the following week. So next Sunday, I've already got my turkey and I'm going to deep fry that one. Oh, and awesome. So I'll make the Cheddar Bay dressing slash stuffing on Sunday with that turkey. So here's the recipe. I have it pulled up, but we will post it on 101ESPN.com on our Twitter feed. So eight cups of the Cheddar Bay biscuits torn into small pieces. And you can buy that mix at any grocery store. Correct. Six cups of bread. You got some butter, yellow onion, celery, carrot, sage, thyme, rosemary, chicken broth, and salt and pepper to taste. And by the way, they also released a Cheddar Bay pumpkin biscuit recipe. Now, that I don't know if I would roll with, but the Cheddar Bay biscuit stuffing sounds pretty good. Yeah, I think I'm going to go with the the regular rather than the the pumpkin. I know that there would be would be people that would like the pumpkin. I'm not going to go with that. So that's going to be a good play. So I'll make that stuffing. I'll make mac and cheese, and then I'll make a, a real vegetable, too. Okay, and we need your review if you make it. Oh, yeah, it's happening. There's no doubt it's happening. So you'll get my review on Monday morning. Okay, can't wait for that. Good. Thank you, Michelle. You got it, Randy. That is your Killing Me Smalls on 101 ESPN. Next up, we're going to unveil the Carriker and Smallman NFL team in our NFL News and Notes on 101 ESPN. We're right back to the Character and Smallman podcast on 101 ESPN. We're going to give away another turkey just for fun. 
All right, $15 certificate for a Butterball turkey. Uh, all you have to do is respond to Michelle's Instagram, but you have to follow Michelle on Instagram. It's a big part of this, right, at M. Smallman. At M. Smallman, yeah. There's in the story a picture of the Butterball certificate, and you reply to the story with the word to win. And we'll have the word to win at the conclusion of this segment, which is NFL News and Notes. This is a lightning round that we're doing. So stick around for this segment, all right? A bonus turkey certificate. Yes. We asked you to partner with us in picking an NFL team for character and Smallman. So the poll has been concluded. And Michelle, I have to admit that I am stunned that in blowout fashion, we have a winner. I'm also stunned that the team that received the lowest percentage of votes was the Buffalo Bills. Bills Mafia did not come through here. They got 14.8% of the votes. I was a little bit surprised because Bills Mafia does run deep, but I also, on the other hand, didn't really expect there expect there to be a ton of Bills fans in the Metro East. Shout out to Donnie Fandango, our friend mm-hmm. at 1057 The Point, who we know is a ride-or-die Bills fan, but he's kind of an outlier around these parts, so mm-hmm. I, I didn't expect them, despite having an amazing fan base, to really generate that much hype. The Packers have a huge fan base as well. There are Packers bars here in the St. Louis metro area. Mm-hmm. The Two Fox is a big proponent of the Packers. They only got 17.1 percent of the vote that one was the most shocking one for me because i do know a lot of people around these parts that are packers fans i thought it was going to come down to the packers and the number two team in the poll which was the arizona cardinals who got 25.6 percent of the vote there are still a lot of st louis football cardinal fans here in town but not enough to make them the official team of character and smallman take it or leave it there's more football Cardinal fans in St. Louis than there is Los Angeles Rams fans in St. Louis right now. That is 100% accurate. I thought so, too. And that is not to be questioned. There's no doubt about it. So the winner is Michelle's childhood team. You're coming back to them with Tua Tonga-Vailoa, maybe, at quarterback, (laughs) and Brian Flores coaching our team with 42.5% of the vote is... The Miami Dolphins, Randy. Here we go. I really think T-Pain, the dulcet tones of T-Pain that we played on Friday, might have had something to do with this. Yeah, it should be. But I said on the show Friday, I had cast my vote for the Dolphins because they were my first football love. I Mm -hmm. loved Dan Marino. I loved watching Dolphins games with my dad growing up. And that's part of the reason why I fell in love with sports was because I loved that team. I loved their colors. I loved that old school Miami logo. You, of course, have the undefeated team. So we've got some hit, some great history there as well. But I was shocked that the Dolphins came out ahead and in such deciding fashion. 42.5% of the vote. Dolphins and all those fans. Thanks for voting, and we will be Dolphins fans here. We will, but if we're going to be Dolphins fans, then we need Brian Flores to hear us when we say you need to stick with Tua, even if the time, even if the going gets rough, you stick with the guy that you gave the job to and the guy that you said was going to move the franchise forward. Definitely, and we'll get a Dolphin on the show here before the season is up. Maybe they'll make the playoffs. You never know. Doug Peterson says, Michelle, despite the change.org petition that he will not be benching Carson Wentz, he said, if you get to that spot where you don't start him or you bench him, I think you're sending the wrong message to your football team that this season is over and that's a bad message. Well, this season's over. 
<laughs> so send the message. Yeah, send it now. <laughs> you know what? I love that he says that when the team knows. The team is aware if the season is already over. But I think that if you're Doug Peterson, you you look at the the division that you're in, the NFC East, and you're saying, okay, look at all these other teams. Maybe the season is not over. And even if Carson isn't the guy, it it's still kind of risky to make that move at this point because if you go with Jalen Hurts and Jalen Hurts isn't the guy, as much as you want to see what he has, you can't really go back then to you Carson. Nobody. Exactly. Right. So it's a gamble. The Falcons fired Thomas Dimitrov earlier in the season. They're looking for a new GM and Adam Schefter reports that the list for a new GM includes former Texans GM Rick Smith, who was the guy who drafted Deshaun Watson for them. Bears assistant director personnel champ Kelly. I don't know if that's the guy that drafted Mitch Trubisky. Uh, former Raiders GM Reggie McKenzie and Rams director of college scouting Brad Holmes, St. Louis guy who got started with the Rams here in St. Louis, smart nice. football guy. So hopefully he'll get a legitimate opportunity there in Atlanta. Hopefully. That'd be great. If, if Just to, to get the job, not yeah. necessarily he'll get it, but at least get a good interview. I wonder what the head coaching list looks like. I wonder if they're going to let the GM choose. Would What would you do if you were the owner there? Would you let the GM choose? I would, yeah, and then I would sign off on it. But they've hired uh, multiple defensive coaches in a row. Dan Quinn was preceded by Mike Smith. I think even though Matt Ryan's 35 and Julio Jones is up there, they need to build some offense there. They need to get things going offensively. A couple of other notes for you. As we mentioned, the Dolphins are our team. Tua was benched during the game on Sunday. And Brian Flores probably going a little bit too quickly, probably is thinking of a playoff spot. But if you're bringing back Fitzpatrick now, you probably benched him too early. Exactly. And in that game, it's not as if Tua was horrific. He was doing exactly what he had been doing for the Dolphins, which mm-hmm. is managing the game. He he sacked six times, and initially when he was rolled up on that play, everybody thought it might have been his ankle. He might have been hurt, but Brian Flores after the game said, nope, not an ankle issue. We thought that Fitzpatrick, maybe Fitzmagic, he thought maybe some Fitzmagic would come out. We liked him better in the two-minute drill. We thought that he gave us a better chance in this moment to win the game, but Tua is going to be the starting quarterback moving forward, which I completely disagree with. I think it was the wrong call. But I agree. Hindsight is twenty twenty. If if Fitzpatrick would have gone in and won the game for them, everyone would have been talking about how Brian Flores is a genius well, today. And as such big Dolphin fans as we are, we're thinking with our hearts a lot rather than our heads. Correct, because we have this long history of loving the Dolphins. Lifetime as of, emotional investment. Yeah, four minutes ago. And <laughs> <laughs> so this is what we're doing as passionate fans is we question the coach. We do. But I truly believe yeah. that. Even even if Ryan Fitzpatrick went in and won the game for you and you feel good about your decision, he's not the answer long term. And if you're ever going to see what you have in, in Tua, you need to see what he's made of in moments like this. You need to see what he's like when he's been sacked six times and when the odds are stacked against him. What is he going to do? How is the team going to respond to him in that moment? If you really want to move forward with him and have him develop as your franchise quarterback, you threw him in the deep end. Now you need to let him swim. Bingo. Michelle, that Eagles loss yesterday to Cleveland didn't Knock them out of first place in their division. The Eagles are three, <laughs> six, and one. It's incredible. The Giants are three and seven. The Cowboys are three and seven. Washington is three and seven. And somebody in that division is going to wind up with like six wins and win the division. I don't know if that's good for the league, but I do think that they should keep their division 
idea intact. I don't think that they should all of a sudden blow everything up because you have one off year where a team might win a division with only six wins. I agree. Plus, it's a weird year. It's yeah. a, it's a strange year. And despite it being so bad, that's a storyline in itself is we're talking about these teams. And every team in that division, even though, wh- what do we call it? A hot mess wrapped, wrapped in a dumpster fire. Yeah. Wrapped in a train wreck, I believe. I don't know if it was that correct order. But even though that's what the division is, you still have amazing storylines coming out of all of these teams. Whether it's what's happening with Carson Wentz, Alex Smith doing the unthinkable with Washington, everything that's going on in Dallas. I mean, there's a lot of stuff to look at there. And look how big the Thanksgiving game is between Dallas and Washington now. That's right. Even though the teams are terrible, there are a lot of implications now in these division games. And now you look at the injury to Joe Burrow. The Giants' next game is Sunday at the Bengals. It should be a W. Then they go to Seattle. That's going to be tough. Then they get the Arizona Cardinals at home in the cold weather. They get Cleveland, coin flip game there, at Baltimore. We don't know what Baltimore is now. And then it might be the last weekend of the season before we really figure out who gets to that sixth win. That's crazy. In that division. (laughs) That is crazy. Hey, if you missed anything on today's show, check out our podcast brought to you by I Promise. I Promise. And... uh, Michelle, do you have a new picture up? Can we give another word here so that we can get a winner? For our, I, how about they respond to the same photo? Okay, you can respond to the same photo. Next person that responds to the same photo with a new word. On my Instagram feed, at msmelman in the story, yes. just so everyone knows. And this is going to be the easiest word ever. Dolphins. There you go. In honor of our new team mm-hmm. here on Carriker and Smallman, the Miami Dolphins, respond to the turkey picture with the word dolphins. And you'll get $15 towards your Butterball turkey for Thanksgiving. Coming up, Dan McLaughlin, the Emmy Award-winning Dan McLaughlin, will join us for the crossover here on 101 ESPN. We're right back to the Carriker and Smallman podcast on 101 ESPN. <laughs> Get ready for Scoops with Danny Mac here on 101 ESPN. Hope you had a good weekend. Had a great weekend. Good uh, college football weekend. There were some good games. Your Illinois, uh, the fighting Illini That's laid it right. on the uh, Nebraska Cornhuskers. I was really into the uh, Ohio State game. How about the quarterback for Indiana? Pretty good, huh? Wow. How is he not getting some Heisman votes? He's got to, right? He's got to get a look. I think a lot of the Heisman, and by the way, Trask at Florida is getting a lot of play now. And I think, I think he, he gets it. I do too. Yeah. But I think so much of it is hype from the preseason. Yeah. And being a school, uh, and the, the kid at Alabama too is getting Mac Jones, is it? Yeah. He, he's getting a lot of play. Obviously, before the season, Trevor Lawrence got a lot of play. It's hard when you don't have any traction before the season starts to catch up to those guys. I'll tell you what, though, when you go into, not, granted, no, no fans, but you go into. Ohio State, DBU, and just yeah, chuck it, yeah, and chuck it all over the field. And they had no running game. Right, that was a thing. Yeah. Indiana had no running game, so yeah. you're going to chuck it all over the place. They knew they're going to throw the football, and he did. He was awesome. It was fun to watch. It was a great game. Great game. I I enjoyed that one. That was fun. And so Indiana's, I had a great weekend. Indiana's real. They're yes, yes they they're going to be really good. Uh, let's see what else. I Until got. Tom Allen goes to a blue blood job. Uh, I think I w- so. I don't think so. I think he stays. I went to Boonville. I went to Boonville to watch some soccer. Oh. Yeah. Had a little How soccer. How is the uh, the soccer in Boonville? Is the environment pretty crazy? <laughs> it wasn't crazy. Really nice facility. 
Mm-hmm. Beautiful facility. They had a beautiful facility there. Um, and then I went to Washington, Missouri, and I watched some uh, basketball. Uh-huh. No, it was just, a, you know, it was a, we were traveling this week. I've been to Washington, Missouri week. before. I started my, um, this illustrious, mm-hmm, this illustrious career of mine uh, began at KSLQ. Well, it wasn't at Linwood. Uh-huh. It was at KSLQ doing games um, for Washington and Borgia. And then I would do the game on a Friday night, and I'd sleep in my car and get up and do the high school wrap-up show the next morning. And I'm not sure if anybody was listening, but... You did it. But I did it. And then I'd go do a 12-hour shift at KMOX, one of which on Saturday sometimes was with Randy Carricker. Yeah. Wow. That was his producer. Yeah. Yeah, Yeah, it was fun times. I wonder if you were producing the day that... I was late. I, so I wasn't late. You were, uh, I will say this of the guys that I worked with, you flew into that studio. I mean, it came in on the bell. Well, my show prep was at home. Uh-huh. But it, uh, there this was, was free internet. One, there, where were you doing show prep at home? Reading the paper, man. It was the old school <laughs> okay, internet. Okay, all right. I'll give you that. Did you highlight Sporty. the paper? Sometimes. Okay. Sporting News. Yeah. Sports Illustrated. And all of that. Yeah. Sport oh, Magazine. Yeah. You Because you would come in with so many articles. It was awesome. Anyway, I'm sorry. I interrupted. So yeah. one time I was uh, driving to, say, and this is when we were at the uh, the Riverfront Building, Gateway Tower. Yeah. And so I'm trying to cross 4th Street on the day of the St. Patrick's Day Parade, where the parade is taking place. And you remember you had to cross 4th Street to go down to the garage. To on Walnut, I think it was, to get to the Camoix garage. And that's the day I, I bent my steering wheel in my little Honda CRX because I was punching <laughs> on it because I couldn't cross the street to get to the, the show in time. And I, I literally got in there with about a second left. That was uh, always tough when you didn't, <clears throat> if you weren't a runner and you didn't know when, well, you always knew mm-hmm. the St. Paddy's Day parade was, at least you should have. Mm-hmm. But if you didn't follow, you know, like the the marathon schedule mm-hmm. all of a sudden you'd be going down to work and there'd be this all the streets are crossed off to get into that building and you're like how in the hell am i going to get into this <laughs> yeah. building and then the panic sets oh, in big time panic was bad uh the the fourth of july stuff down there too was well, that was i, tough I to always made sure that i was there really early yeah, when that was happening i did too so bob costas who tells the story he admits that he was he showed up at halftime for a spirits of st louis game in his rookie year and when How I, did he not get fired? I don't know. Who filled in for him? I think the engineer. I don't think they did it. I think they just didn't have anything. They had to do re- like regular sports open line during the first half of the game. Can you imagine if you're the engineer, yeah. though, and oh, your yeah. job is to just set yes. things up, and, and all of a sudden they say, Dan, put your headset on, you're calling the game. And yeah. <laughs> no cell phones or anything. Right. Oh, my gosh. When I started, Bob was doing open line quite often. And Bob would show up at the last minute, and the news guy, Ron Barber, would say, he'd, he'd give the forecast and really stretch it out. Next Thursday, a high of 75 <laughs> degrees with a low of 20 and a 20% chance for rain. That brings you up to date on all the forecasts for the next week. Now it's time for KMOX Sports Open Line. And here is Bob <laughs> Costas. <laughs> then the next thing you hear is, <laughs> right. Bob is taking a breath as he sits down before the microphone. Bob Hamilton did that for me a few times, too. <laughs> and in other news, <laughs> he'd always have a little extra, you know, copy for if he had to stretch. So my initial point here was that 
I uh, and I think everybody that was an intern for me will tell you that I did count on them. I gave you hands-on ability to... I never interned for you, Randy. No, but produced, yes. interned. I was a big-time producer. Big I time. mean, they they struggled to get me, and I, you know, I had to Got you through the door. Yeah. Good but, thing they were able to land you, Dan. Oh, it was tough. With people like Dan and Chris Kerber and Mike Caruso and Greg Amzinger and Kyle L. Frank, I, I had a lot of people. But I, those people that I could count on, I knew I could show up, and they would be ready, and mm-hmm. they would have a show ready for me. When And I could tell in a day whether or not the person was going to be any good or not. But I would show up an hour and a half ahead of time if I knew I had a bad producer or intern no you wouldn't yeah i did come on no because what you have to do when you had a bad and this is everybody who employs somebody knows this the worst thing that you can have is somebody who thinks they're doing the job and then you have to do it all over again for them so you walk in and you've got nothing done and you have to do it all yourself anyway yeah pretty much um Kind of like working with Scott sometimes, you know. Look at Scott shaking his head. I'm joking, Scott. Relax. Take it easy on me, Dan. Come on. I know. I'm sorry. <laughs> Scott does a great job, but yes, there are those that you just can't rely on. So yeah. you just do it yourself, right? And when you have a good one, game time is on time. That's right. That's the beauty of <laughs> it. And then you can actually do your. Hey. You're supposed to do your job. That's me, man. <laughs> are you Are you late to the the studio? Is he late? Oh to no, the he's early. What time do you get here? I get here right around 6, a little before. I thought you'd struggle with this morning thing. I I really did. I wasn't sure what was going to happen either. (laughs) Yeah, okay. But All right, at least you're honest. I have not had a day where I found it difficult to get up or get in here. Not one. Is that right? We started on May 4th, so we're closing in on a long time. I will say... There's a huge difference between getting up at 5 and getting up at 3 or 4. For sure. Getting up at 5 is not bad. No. My dogs and my kids get me up early, although they're starting to sleep. Well, they sleep in now, but my dogs get me up. They're barking. They're going that nuts. That early, huh? Oh, yeah. At five? Sometimes, oh, yeah. That's okay. Hey, they got to go. They got to go. They got to go. <laughs> Nature so, calls. Doug is like, Dan, take me out. <laughs> right. Over the weekend, our dogs have these circular nylabone things that they've both really done a number on, <laughs> and they have really sharp edges now. And Darby left one right next to the bed the other night. Ooh, did you step on it? Oh, it's worse than Lego. Oh. Legos yeah. are brutal yeah. to step on. But these are really sharp. I was thinking, um, I was looking at, uh, just transferred to sports, but I wonder if they're going to get basketball in, man. I'm concerned. College basketball. Yeah. Mm-hmm. SLU starts Wednesday, right? Right. And, and then no another fans. game on Friday. Right. Um, I'm just concerned. I... I I think it's logical. I you read the tea leaves, and teams are just canceling right and left, and trying to figure out how they can match up a schedule. And it's going to be tough, man. It's going to be really tough. Yeah, it, especially to get through a season. When you look at something like what happened with Clemson and Florida State the other day, one basketball player testing positive changes everything because you've got ten people banging on each other and sweating on each other for that length of time. And I guess. Guys, from your coaching perspective, you better coach up your 15th player. Yes. Yeah, good point. Absolutely. You know, mm-hmm. you're going to have to use him. And Travis Ford's used to that with all the injuries that he's had over the years. Yeah. Well, he had a – how about that? the story he had last year? He had a walk-on. They gave a scholarship to it. He wound up <laughs> yeah. getting minutes. I love yeah. it. You know, Great sometimes stuff. That, that stuff happens. Yep. So. Uh, I'm gonna, so I'm going to switch gears today and talk Baseball Hall of Fame. 
Okay. I good. always love the Baseball Hall of Fame. I think Kurt Schilling gets in this year, which may to be to the chagrin of some. But I do believe you have to separate what a player does on the field in his time to what he he's doing now. You know, some people don't like the way some people like what he stands for and his political beliefs. Other people don't. He's very boisterous about it. But I think you have to separate that. And then where are you at with steroid guys and that and that kind of thing? And then the other guy I think that's going to make a huge jump this year potentially. It'll probably clear up though in a couple of years. Is Scott Rowland agreed? I, I think he's going to make. He's kind of on that Larry Walker trajectory to get into the Hall of Fame. I think he's going to go. And here is my thing about Schilling leaving politics out of it. If Schilling is going to make it, it's going to be because he was such a great postseason performer. I would agree. Then how did we have Jim Edmonds not get five percent of the vote? I I agree. I I've said that man from day one. And I look, I am biased because I love Jimmy. Um, but I also watched him in the prime of his career. And P- so, for instance, and I know we got to go, but the MLB Network did a great special on Ken Griffey Jr. And if you look at Jim Edmonds' numbers compared to Griffey when they both got in the Central Division, Jim Edmonds was out, he outplayed Ken mm-hmm. Griffey Jr., he was a better player. Now, that's part of that was because Griffey got hurt, and that's no fault of his own. There were mm-hmm. serious injuries that Griffey had to deal with. But Jimmy Edmonds was a better player, and he doesn't get enough no. credit for how good he was. And he should. I think he'll get a veteran's look because he's off the ballot, which mm-hmm. I can't believe he didn't get enough to stay on the ballot. But he should be. He should be looked at as a, a, a Hall of Famer. If Harold Baines is in, Jim Edmonds is in. When we did that, and that, that's a great point, I hope Jim Edmonds gets a benefactor like Harold Baines had. But when we did that this date in Cardinal postseason history in October, every single day he did something big. Yeah, there was, he, every day. He always had a big moment in the postseason. He was unbelievable in the postseason, Edmonds was. How about the 06? I think it was a double down the first baseline in that series against Detroit. No one talks about that. Mm-hmm. That was a huge mm-hmm. hit in that series. Um and then 04, obviously, with the home run and the catch, but he had huge moments in yeah. postseason play. Throughout, throughout, from 2000 all the way through the end yeah. of his postseason career here, 06, all the time. Yep, he I would great. agree. So anyway, I think it's kind of a fun conversation, debate, so we'll get into it coming up, and Derek Gould will be my guest. Looking forward to that. Yep. Scotty, great job. Thank you, sir. You got it, Randy. That's our producer engineer, Scott Manziara. Michelle, this was fun. It was, Randy. I'll see you tomorrow. We will do it again tomorrow. Give away a couple more turkeys. By the way, tomorrow morning, we're talking how to prepare a turkey on your smoker. Uh, By the way, great job with Demetrius Johnson. I know you've always teamed up with Demetrius. I saw it on uh, social media, handing out food and turkeys and helping out the less fortunate. Awesome job, Randy. Thank you, and, and thanks to DJ for having me. For all of us, thank you for tuning in, texting in, being a part of the show, and until tomorrow morning at 7, have a great day, St. Louis. You've been listening to the Character and Smallman podcast, powered by I Promise. <coughs> Cough and cold season is here. Introducing Ricola Max Throat Care, Ricola's most powerful drop yet. It's the best of Swiss nature wrapped around a powerful liquid menthol center for maximum relief from your worst cough and sore throat. Maximum nature for maximum relief. Try the new Ricola Max now, available in the cold and cough aisle. Ricola. It's in our nature. <laughs> The world is always on, but you shouldn't be. Put junk sleep to bed. 
During Mattress Firm's Dream Sember Sale, get a king for the price of a queen or a queen for a twin and save up to $700 on Sealy. Only at Mattress Firm.